It's the Dearly Departed Podcast, featuring your hosts, historian Scott Michaels and filmmaker Mike Dorsey. All right, and uh, welcome to another episode of the Dearly Departed Podcast. There is no earthly way of knowing which direction we are going. <laughs> Somebody's been watching the movie. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I'm Mike Dorsey. I'm Scott Michaels. And this is Dearly Departed Podcast. And if you couldn't tell, we are doing Willy Wonka and Willy the Chocolate Wonka. Factory. The classic. The original. The Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, the original movie. It is the original movie. Yeah, it has to be. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, uh, my friend Cal actually actually suggested that we call this the Dearly Departed podcast. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's not hate mail. That's like wit. That's like pun mail. <laughs> but yeah, I'm that's how, I think the, that's actually how they say it in Boston. Departed. Oh, you're right. Yeah. They probably would. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Very good. Yeah, it sounds well, like we're making fun of Bostoners. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um. So. We uh, some some housekeeping things. We 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 may be putting ads on this episode. I don't know. We're trying. We're turning it on. We distribute through Podbean, and they have like an ad marketplace to use. Oh, and, their well, we'll speaking. see, won't we? Yeah. So we flipped the switch. We don't know. Maybe an ad played before this. Maybe it didn't. We have no idea. No, probably. Well, yeah, we don't. So we'll see. And uh, and uh, but yeah, but remember, that's you know, that's how we make a living. So don't if you could sit through an ad, that'd be really nice. <laughs> <laughs> just one, just one. Uh, and of course, on uh, uh, if you want ad free, um, well, this may be ad free if we failed. But also, uh, if it did work, it is still always uh, it will always be ad free on our Patreon. Um, and our Patreon subscribers keep going up and up, and we just That's did awesome. another uh, special. We call it mini so, but it was an hour and a half long episode uh, a couple weeks ago. Just uh, we go over more, you know, current events, deaths in Hollywood stuff, and other fun things. and various tripe <laughs> and various tripe. Yes. Um, uh, speaking of extra things, you uh, had an interesting post about an unsolved murder in LA history that I had never heard of. Yeah, isn't that something, Frank Selectry? Yeah, the um... yes. I was at David Ullman's house, our mutual friend who lives on Cielo Drive, and I met his niece. And she came to, I, you know, I, I, it was a story I think I'd heard of before. And then we got to talking about it, and I found out she was who she was. And, uh, and then she came to the shop, and she gave me this Frankenstein painting that hung in, or hanged, I think it's hanged, in her uncle's uh in her uncle's living room and, and it's incredible. I got to do the deep dive and uh and it was it's a pretty fascinating case. So Frank Selectri was the producer, um, got into the black exploitation thing, most famous for Blackenstein, uh, which was a riff on Black Kula in the early seventies. <laughs> but then he was uh he was murdered and is still an unsolved murder. And and I could officially announce a twenty thousand dollar reward. So that was that was kind of cool to be involved in a true crime case. So uh, absolutely, I hope, I hope something comes of that. That'd be really. He had been a he had been an attorney. Yes. Also, I think he was involved in lots of different things. It seems like. Yes, he. I mean, the most curious association with his ex girlfriend. Her name was Liz Renee, who was a stripper, burlesque. They would, you know, some would say, and um, and she was most famous for streaking down Hollywood Boulevard in in publicity for a show she was going to be opening up in what's now the Ivar Theater. 
and mm -hmm. um, and she was arrested and charged with you know, I think it was lewd conduct or something to that effect, and uh, and Frank Solitri represented her, but because of her. And they were boyfriend and girlfriend for a while. Her ex was Mickey Cohen, the gangster. So there were all sorts yeah. of like degrees of 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 who knows what happened to him because the you know he was shot in the head, but there was a screwdriver there that they used to puncture him, which makes it it wasn't a fatal wound, but it makes it sound as if um, he was tortured first. I know it's just it's really something, and 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 shockingly little information was out there. So I was really honored to be able to. Uh, to tell the story and uh, yeah, it's, it was very nice of them to uh, up Cindy to, uh, to uh, do that for me. So unsolved murder in his house his in his house was uh, famously had been previously owned by. Well, no, that's confusing because he used to live in a home that battle the ghost he lived in, in Whitley. But it Heights. wasn't the ghost's house where he died. Correct. He li it was like the, okay. one of those old, you know, quirky Sunset Boulevard mansions up in Whitley Heights, but he mm. moved out and the mansion was torn down. So then mm. he moved into where he was up in the Hollywood Hills, um, mm. sort of near that Cretona cult, you know, that's up there. Uh, <laughs> that was there in the twenties and, and it's, it's, it's the old chapel and everything. It's still there. <laughs> it's another good story. But anyway, one of the first cults <laughs> in Los Angeles was called Cretona with a K, but that was it, it, like the parking lot for Cretona is right below his backyard. So um anyway, yeah. And the um the painting the painting that you have, what was the provenance on that? It was his Yeah, painting. he it was it was it, it, the story is it came from Battle Lugosi's home. That's what I, I don't thought, know how yeah. true that is, but I see no reason for it not to be. And he did have all this kind of crazy gothic uh uh, you know, memorabilia, caskets, etc. And there is, you know, photo proof of it being in his house at least. And uh, yeah. it was before people were bragging about memorabilia, you know, trying to pass it off as anything else. I don't think it was ever sure. even attempted. So, uh, you know, the provenance is it was there. And interestingly, because Cindy, who gave that to me, also donated the mirror that Zach has in his museum that was Bela Lugosi's mirror. She's the one oh, that right gave on. it. She, she showed up on, on that show Zach was doing and presented her with this, this haunted mirror. And now Zach, I think, mm. I think they make you sign a waiver. If you look into it, you can't sue him. If you, if you get possessed or something like that, <laughs> something it's follows great. you home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, that's clever, you know the clever risk. stuff. But, but yeah, so that Cindy gave that to Zach and gave the painting to me. So it was, uh, She's a, a nice and generous lady, and I hope something comes of it. I really do. I hope they do. So, again, if Frank Seletri was murdered in the Hollywood Hills, and it was never been solved. Right. And they just, yeah, who knows? Yeah, look so, it up on my YouTube channel, uh, Duly Departed Online, and uh, and you will see the video. It's it's at the house and hear the whole story. It's 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 Anyway, it's pretty good stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, not good for the family, but... <laughs> you know, right. Good is Good for content. <laughs> uh so speaking of zach uh, i can we talked about this a little bit on the patreon show but i can finally talk about the show i've been doing with zach bagans That's uh the, i've been i've been uh the showrunner and i've edited a couple of episodes also for uh ghost adventures house calls which is the new ghost adventures spinoff which uh by the time this episode comes out will have premiered because we're um recording this on the 18th and tomorrow the 19th is the world premiere on discovery plus of that series 
That's so. exciting. Now, I saw the trailer yesterday that you posted. It's mm -hmm. really, it looks really good. And I was relieved to see a big house because I was, you know, when he goes, my haunted story <laughs> is going to be like a one bedroom apartment or something. But it's <laughs> nice to see like a cool, proper house. And, there, there's uh, houses of all sizes. We did um, eight episodes, so eight locations. Very diverse. And it was a super interesting, fun series to, to produce. So I've been reading uh, Humphrey Bogart's biography and I watched um, High Sierra for the first time. Well, because I like to when I read Hollywood biographies, I'll watch some of the films as I go along, you know, that they mm -hmm. mentioned. So I kind of, mm -hmm. oh, this is where they were in their life when they did, you know, this movie. Um, and that was awesome because they filmed that actually up in the Sierras. Have you been up there? And, uh, yeah, well, um, I made my uh, my documentary, The Euler House, the architecture one was about my house in Lone Pine where my stepmom grew up. Okay. So I've been to Lone Pine tons and tons of times. I've I and I know the history of they've filmed over like 300 movies and TV shows in Lone Pine. Like all the great westerns, a bunch of them were shot there. Mm -hmm. Gunga Din was shot there. Like yeah, it's you still see it in things. It was in the first Iron Man movie. Um was this it's you know it stood in for like Afghanistan or something. So yeah. Nice. Well cool. So so you enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I yeah, I see it was great. Yeah. I recommend it. It's it's fascinating because Bogart, you know, um, he was a B-lister in the first few years of his life. It took a long time for them to convince Warner Brothers that he could be like an A-list star. It's kind of wild to look back on that now and think of it that way. But he was just kind of a heavy. He played a heavy in all his movies. Yeah. And he didn't get the glamorous death. You know, he was just uh, good. He's dead kind of character, you know. Yeah. Kind he's a, he's someone I've never developed an appreciation for. But how far mm -hmm. along are you in the, doc, in the uh, book? I'm about a third of the way through. So he's up to Very High Sierra is what he's up to now? Yes. Career-wise? High Sierra was the first um, time taking a lead role in a major big, you know, in an A-list picture that, like, established him, like, okay, he's for real now. So right, High Sierra was, like, a major turning point. Is he, so he's married to his first wife now. By then, I think he was married to his second wife and was a very tumultuous, crazy, drunken yeah, madhouse mad basically <laughs> yeah, from both epic. of them. Legendary, you know, wine stories. bottles getting thrown at people's heads, kind of relationship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can. I, I can, That's something. That is. <laughs> and he lived. Uh, and he lived with her just north of uh, Sunset Plaza. Um. Oh, just okay. Sunset, Sunset Plaza, just north of there, like a block up. Now it's like in a big '60s apartment complex there now, but at the time it was a house. Yeah. I say that because the Sierras will come up again in this conversation. Okay. I don't know that. That's interesting. I look forward to that. I am older now than Humphrey Bogart ever was. What? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know, right? <laughs> he died when he was uh, 59, and very soon I will oh. be 60. So, um, so yeah. Wow. When, when's your birthday? August. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we're both. Yeah, Leo's? No, here's something that's interesting. My birthday, the same day as Roman Polanski and Vincent Bugliosi. What? <laughs> I swear that's to God, what? it's crazy. Those guys have the same birthday. Like, I know. Wow. I know. It's it's weird. It's weird. But yeah. So um, huh. <laughs> but that, that was just a fact I stumbled upon fairly recently about Bogart, and it's like, oh my God, it's those people. You know, they were doing movies when they were thirty, and they looked like they were, you know, eighty. <laughs> and, um, right. And uh, right. but that's like looking at your high school yearbook and seeing the faces of the kids that were seniors and still they still look older, but they're only like seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway. Um. Do you have any hate mail? 
Uh, you know, no, I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I, you know, there would only be hate comments, and and they're, they're really nothing worth mentioning. It's very disappointing. No more uh, name calling, uh, unless Troy's cut them all off on me. So maybe that's possible. <laughs> all right, then let's uh, get into the main feature. Willy Wonka. It's time for the main feature. So, this is uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, the 1971 uh, version of the film, the first film version of it, uh, based on the original book, which was called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I thought it was interesting they changed the name for the film because, in large part, because they got Quaker Oats to, to fund the film. This was the biggest revelation for me when I when I found yeah. that out. I was like, "Whoa, this is so it was all about them releasing a new candy and right. they wanted to promote it and Mel Stewart just said, "I know, we'll make a movie." <laughs> right. Yeah, he had he 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 realized he was I have a movie about a chocolate factory and here's a major corporation trying to market a new chocolate can, candy bar, so there you go. That's fascinating. I had no idea. So Quaker Oats put up the money for this thing. And uh, and the story of what happened afterwards is just as fascinating how, you know, Paramount didn't didn't want it after because it wasn't a success. Uh, and Paramount got rid of it a couple of years later and nobody wanted it. So Quaker Oats got it and they didn't know what they had. And then the Warner got it for like 500000 They sold it to... Warner Brothers. Right. It's it's crazy. Yeah, when the uh, when the original distribution deal with Paramount expired in '77, you know, six years afterwards. Yeah, they didn't see that they didn't think it was valuable enough to renew it. It's just nuts because it it's made like some those, money, yeah, but it wasn't a huge. It wasn't a bomb. It just didn't make a lot of money. So it was like, it's it's fascinating. I mean, with those people, they have no idea. Well, of course, it was again. It was the days before DVDs and VHS and and then right. memorabilia. Uh, became a whole different thing too so now you know now probably i i know it's not but just saying like gene wilder's costume probably costs could you could fetch as much as the budget of this movie costs it's a little bit of an exaggeration but not yeah. that not that yeah much. i think the budget was like 2.8 million yeah. i think or maybe three which even then was not was a very small budget uh and that's why they filmed in uh germany yeah, they filmed in Bavaria um, because they uh, America was completely out of the question with the budget they had, and uh, they felt like London was too recognizable. Too much stuff was getting made there, and then they looked at Munich and were like, "Ah, yeah." They wanted nobody, the nobody sort of the timeless, <laughs> anywhere, any magical kingdomy kind of place that uh, mm -hmm. was not. You know, even the fashions were were quite drab. There was nothing really indicative. Maybe some of the language in the movie was indicative of the time period. And there were a couple of other things I noticed, like antennas. You know, you wouldn't normally notice antennas on houses, but when they they mm. showed like one of the opening scenes, there's all these TV aerials on the houses and stuff. It's like, oh, that dates itself somewhat. <laughs> and uh, and then I noticed there were ads. There were like um, uh, posters for like Sprite. And Lufthansa Airway Airlines and mm. stuff like that. So I did notice a couple of odd sort of nuggets here and there. But uh, he but also yeah. uh, when Charlie early on when Charlie is um, looking in the window of the candy store and then he kind of runs away or skips away or whatever he like kind of he walks past a big cigarette billboard. <laughs> oh, does he? I missed that one. It's kind of funny really... to see in a kids' movie. <laughs> I love that. 
<laughs> it was like but on they the wall, did pick like a, a wall they, thing. they picked a magical weird odd kind of anywhere in the world fairy tale landy kind of place which right. you know europe has a lot of the stuff that survived the war anyway and uh and uh, and that it was and i guess they used the uh the munich they filmed mostly in munich at the munich gasworks and uh which is still amazingly there uh, yeah well, the um the front gate and the two side buildings are still there and then kind of the in the deep background the kind of smokestacky building is gone now but the main, oh is it okay i thought it was all is, still yeah. there okay yeah the the side buildings and the front gate are all still the same though okay um and when we were prepping for this i watched a couple docs documentaries i watched the um uh pure imagination the story of willy wonk and the chocolate factory which was made i think maybe in the late 90s possibly early 2000s um and there's a book cult with the same name and then this is really fascinating there was a series about 20 years ago called after they were famous i think it was a british series and they did one on walk and they got all five kids to come back as adults mm-hmm. and they took them back to munich and took them back to the gates and everything it was oh, really cool. really fascinating yeah it was it took them back to the hotel they'd stayed in and uh, had them reminisce. It was really, really, really fascinating. I'll have to look at that. I, I missed that completely. I watched the documentary, the documentary, and uh, and I did watch it, watch the movie a couple of times. Once with the commentary, they had all the kids in it, which was uh, which was kind of fun to listen to. Uh, but I, I definitely want to. Uh, I've seen that. Actually, I remember that show because they did a, they did one with um, the Sound of Music, and they brought all the kids back to oh, Austria, and you know where they showed them, you know, walking down the, you know, balancing on a certain step, and they all these kids in their like fifties and sixties are, <laughs> but um, it was funny too because uh, for the reunion, you know, they're all adults now, and Michael Bolner who played the little Augustus <laughs> Augustus group yeah he grew up to be six foot seven he's still just yeah. giant <laughs> I don't think he hardly speaks a word of English either <laughs> he does kind of now at least he did in the thing but they said back when he filmed the movie he had he did not know English like at all the um he couldn't, the... He couldn't say fudge it came out like weirdly and he could not do the f's correctly you know i feel hungry i had to you know that was you know that was uh when he went how does that make you feel hungry he was but then again he had food in his mouth most of the time too sure that helps cover up the language barrier yeah right 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 but uh but yeah it's it's he he had very little to say but then he was the first kid to go too so probably his filming was you know i was thinking about that yeah yeah he only had probably like a dozen lines. <laughs> in the commentary, he hardly spoke at all, but I do think it's a, a language thing more so. But then he didn't have a lot to reminisce about. And mm-hmm. and as soon as they asked him a question, the other kids were saying, oh, so, um, you know, what's the first thing? Were you ever on the set for any of the other stuff after you left? And he goes, well, I, and then, of course, the kids are like, oh, here's the thing I'm in. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like totally cutting him off. And this guy probably had three lines in the whole commentary, but... <laughs> you know, that's just your actory kind of thing. Here's something that I'm fascinating that I'm in right here, but mm. uh, poor guy. <laughs> but uh, but, uh, but hey, you know. And he, he, well, anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get into the gloops a well, little bit later. We we mentioned the you know the Willy Wonka candy and you know the Quaker Oats connection and all that. And you, you can't. I don't think you can get the Wonka bars anymore. I think they discontinued them years ago. Possibly, um, but apparent. But the irony was when they first put the bars out. Apparently, there was something wrong with the formula, which is just so ironic, considering it's Wonka. And they, I think, the problem was that they were melting on the shelves. 
basically. Okay. And so they, they had to pull them. So here's their big $3 million promotional movie that they've created to launch this candy bar with. And there's no candy bars on the shelves because they screwed up the, the design of them, basically. That's yeah. wild. And if, if Quaker Oats had hung on to the movie, they'd have made their money back, you know, uh, 2,000 fold. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, that's quite. Um... I mean, it's probably made tens of millions of dollars by now. Uh, easily. TV, just yeah. like what, you know, when we talk about um, It's a Wonderful Life, kind of similar thing. Not a huge hit when it came out, but then when TV syndication came around, when they started airing it on TV every year and VHS yeah. came out and everything, it was like this whole market popped up and uh and made these movies bigger than they were yeah. when they first came out yeah. yeah did you ever watch the 2005 remake with johnny depp i did you know and i even bought it but i haven't watched it since i bought it but i remember <laughs> liking it enough to buy it but i can't say um i remember much about it just that he was a very well i could i remember that i couldn't stop thinking he looked like michael jackson that i remember right. vividly but uh but no i don't remember much about the movie really I don't either, but all I really remember, and I know I saw it, but I remember I was working at the Jim Henson studio a lot at the time, and they had their rap party or their premiere party or something, big party there for that movie, and the big courtyard that's in the middle of Jim Henson Studios, they converted to look like the set. Wow. And I have um, photos that I'll put up on the video version of this podcast um, so you can see it. I, I found the old photos I took. That was like 2005. Awesome. Oh, I look forward mm -hmm. to seeing those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's really cool. Um, and they're making another Wonka film that comes out next year with Timothy Chalamet. I don't know who that is. He's great. Uh, Chalamet has been at tons of stuff. He was in the Homeland series uh, for a season, but he's most famous. Um, he was in Interstellar, uh, but probably most famous. He really kind of hit his stride with Lady Bird. He plays kind of the, the love interest in Lady Bird, the kind of bad boy love interest, I guess. And he's the star of Call Me By Your Name. And um, he was in the new Little Women remake they did a couple years ago. Uh, he was just in the French Dispatch. He's in the new Dune movie. And now he's in what they're just calling it Wonka. It's going to be the name of the film. Is it the same story about, you know, Willy Wonka opening up his chocolate factory or is it going to I be? I think it's like, it's like a prequel. It's like young Willy Wonka. Okay. Well, that'll be dark, I'm sure. I guess it's interesting because, you know, Roald Dahl, who we're going to talk about, who's the author of the original book, he, I don't think he wrote any of that, any of that story. He wrote a sequel book that was never made into a movie mm -hmm. and he started writing a third book that he never finished. They put out like one pair, like one chapter of it. Yeah. So this is someone else's, you know, completely someone different, you know, imagining of what the prequel would be, I guess. But I don't, I don't know. Well, I'm sure we'll they're going to be uh, compensated for that. The doll. I mean, estate. I love the cast: <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, Olivia Coleman, Keegan Michael Key. That's you know, it's a fantastic cast. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, they. Rowan Atkinson's in it. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I just wanted to point out, uh, uh, we were talking about the um, Munich uh, gas works where they filmed it. And there's that scene, a really haunting scene at the very beginning where, you know, Charlie Bucket's, you know, walking in his nighttime and he walks to the front gate and he sees the tower, the big smokestack with the Wonka, which apparently wasn't really there. They, they like painted it on frame by frame <laughs> on uh -huh. the film itself or on the negative. But um, he's sitting there, and then and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this like guy with this noisiest possible cart on the planet, which wasn't there when he shows up, turns around and gives that whole scary speech about you know the little men, uh, uh, the fear of little men, or something like that. And then he does that famous "nobody ever comes in, nobody ever comes out," which is such a, a 
great setup for that place. Um, and and uh, yeah. except for except for now we know Slugworth, he must have gone in and out because because you know he worked for Willy Wonka. So yes. uh, so uh, so yeah, that was. But I just thought that was kind of kind of funny and, and interesting uh, about the tinker who because <laughs> he turns around and moves and he's got like it's like he's got a whole thing of tin garbage cans and stuff. And, but he wasn't there at first, so it's kind of funny. But movie um, magic, yeah. <laughs> So um, so Mel Stewart was the director, and uh, he made the movie because his daughter Madeline liked the book, basically. And that has happened so many times, I feel like, in Hollywood history where the kid gets their parent to do something. Usually sometimes it's an actor or whatever, but she really liked it. And um, her and one of his other sons appear in the movie. Right. Um, Peter, he, yeah. The, the, the son, uh, Peter Stewart, is in the candy store. Um, when, um, he goes scrum dibbly umptious bar. How does he do it? <laughs> I think that's Peter. And then, uh, Madeline, I think is yeah. in, I think she's in Charlie's class. She's in the black and white striped kind of sweater. And then when the teacher asks how many candy bars each kid bought so they can talk about percentages, she's, she's the first one to answer. She says she bought a hundred and then Charlie gets shamed because he's poor and he only bought two. Two, two, no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Peter, you know, it's funny that, that, um, I used to work for peter stewart he was my old boss in england what i know right so i, didn't know I, that. I was working on uh, a show uh, called euro trash and which was a, a culty kind of show and the company's called rapido and then i worked on a couple of other things with them it was one was called unzipped and one was called rock babylon but i found out that my boss was peter stewart so i got to talking to peter and he's like oh yeah well my dad you know this is before the internet I mean, the internet just started because we we're using it all the time for the research but but uh but he told me that you know my dad was mel stewart and he told me that his dad kept gene wilder's hat still had it and uh wow. and um but it was funny because i i was i had taped videotaped uh the copy of marilyn manson's um video called dope hat and it was it was like 95 that 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 came out and it's a total it's like marilyn manson on the boat the whole scene on the mm. boat is redone it's really well done too with oompa loompas in costume the whole bit really well done and peter had never seen it before so i was over there, no no you gotta check this out you gotta check it out and he's like holy shit that's my dad's thing so it was kind of it was kind of funny but uh but yeah peter was peter was an interesting man and uh and i enjoyed i, I don't repeat went under i i don't know whatever happened to him after that but but I remember that's how that my Christmas party that year, I got to hang out and have drinks with Richard Branson because Richard Branson oh. was part of the one of the people that owned Rapido. He was like one of the partners. It was a mm. bizarre time. It really was. But working on Euro Trash was a lot of fun. That was a that was a great show. Did Peter tell you anything else about the movie or do you guys ever talk about Wonka? I found out that they didn't, he and Mel had a very complicated relationship. So it was not, and Peter was a very intense individual. So he was one of those guys that um, if you caught him at a good time, it was really good. Uh, if you caught him at a bad time, it was just, just yeah, it was, it was very tense sometimes. So no, I didn't, it didn't yeah. come up very much. It didn't come, I wish I would have known more so now. I would have been a bit more aggressive with the questioning, but, uh, but he, I don't know. It was kind of cool to be able to talk to him for a bit about it anyway. Um, his sister, who's in the film, Madeline, I think she's a, a respected interior designer now in Los Angeles. Oh, she live here? Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I, I think wonder, I saw that. I wonder if Peter's still in England. Uh, uh, he's got to be. Well, anyway. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> huh. 
but yeah, the, the, so the kid comes up with the book and says, you got to do this. And our uncle, was it David Walper, the producer, he could put up the money for it. Like the little 10 year old's going to say right. that. You know? <laughs> right. I'm going to put I this, know. I'm going to package this deal you for get, you, dad. <laughs> you can get financing from, you know. uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, but yeah, Mel, Mel, Mel Stewart was a, uh, I didn't know that he directed the, the TV show, um, Ripley's Believe It or Not either. And that was, uh, a big staple on American television, which lends into this whole wacky kind of Willy Wonka uh, mm-hmm. feel, you know, all these weird sort of things, different shapes and sizes and unbelievable and et cetera. So, yeah, he was mainly a TV director and producer guy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and this was definitely the biggest thing he did. Um, but he also did uh, the Oscar nominated documentary Four Days in November, which was about the JFK assassination. Oh, was um, it? Which came, which came out like the year after JFK was assassinated. It was like an early film on it. Yeah. He was the director of that. Hmm. Wow. Good timing. <laughs> Anyways, Mel, uh, he passed away on August 9th, 2012. He was uh, 83 years old. And he had melanoma. Scrum diddly How does he do it? Scrum diddly <laughs> He had, yeah, he had the hat. And I looked it up. Um, He had... Uh, he had the sold that, or the hat sold in 2012 for 74000 with Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka hat. So Mel wow. had it. I think it was the only prop he had. In fact, I did ask that, and he did tell me that his dad had the hat. But otherwise, um, but yeah, 74 k Who knew? Well, and um, Julie Don Cole, who played Veruca Salt, who's still alive, I think she took uh, one of the golden eggs, because that's her big scene where she exits, is the geese laying the golden eggs. She took a golden egg. I think she kept her gobstopper and her golden ticket prop. Smart girl. With her. And I think two of those were I saw were sold at an auction years ago for like 15,000 pounds, 17,000 pounds, something like that. The gobstopper, I heard they went for 40K. Um, oh, really? Yeah, that's what I heard. Wow. I was, I was looking, I tried looking him up on that Heritage Auction site because they, I mm-hmm. know the whole Willy Wonka outfit they had in one piece and that sold too i think that was eighty thousand. not the hat wow. but the the shirt you know the 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 coat the shirt and the pants and the, and the hat was sold separately i'd be bummed wouldn't it to have that like the costume and not the hat <laughs> no, that would suck <laughs> exactly all right well rest in peace mel stewart and the novel was based off of the great children's author rolled Dahl. Um, who I've seen his name pronounced multiple times. I've seen it pronounced Rold. I've seen Rald. Yeah. And then I've seen a kind of Rold, Rold. It was Norwegian, so it's probably some pronunciation we aren't accustomed to. Yeah, I'm going by the people in the commentary who, who knew him and dealt with him, and they were saying Rold. 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 There you go. So, um, but yeah, he was a complicated <laughs> man as well. He was very complicated. He was, um, sorry, he was six foot six. He's a very tall guy, and it's very odd. He flew uh, fighter planes. He was a fighter pilot in World War II, which is very unusual for someone of his height mm-hmm. uh, to be stuffed into the cockpit of a fighter. I mean, I've known World War II fighter pilots, and most of them were short, short guys. Interesting. Um, they're in cramped situations. Uh, so it's kind of unusual. I don't know. Maybe for the Brits, maybe it wasn't as unusual. But, yeah, he, he got injured a few times. He survived a crash, and he knew um, – it seems like everybody knew this guy in the war. He knew uh, Ian Fleming. Who created James Bond? Oh, who also wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, mm. who I think Rold worked on the script for that, didn't he? Who wrote the screenplay for it. Yeah, and yeah. Rold also wrote You Only Live Twice. 
Interesting. screenplay for it. Huh. So yeah, so that's, I mean, he know. the stuff that I mean, but he wrote really dark stuff. I mean, you know, the, the Matilda and uh, the witches. I mean, those were and and tales from I think it was tales of the unexpected Hitchcock stuff. That you know, it's all he wrote some really really dark stuff. He liked like children's stuff that but it was had a dark edge to it. Yes. Yeah, he wrote James and the Giant Peach. He wrote Fantastic Mr. Fox. He wrote the BFG. I mean, those are all have all been you know adapted into films. Yeah. I guess I mean it probably has something to do because I, I, I was looking him up and I found saw that he had a kid that was four months old and hit by a taxi, and oh. developed like this brain fluid condition, and then he had a daughter that died of measles. Yeah, yeah I when just, she was like it's seven, just, I think. Yeah, and then he was married to Patricia Neal for thirty years, and she had like. <laughs> I'm not laughing. It's not funny, but she had like three cerebral aneurysms when she was pregnant. I mean, she was yeah. talking about. I remember when she used to do those Anison commercials for for aspirin back in the hmm. in the in the 70s. But it was like girl needed it because she went through. You know, she <laughs> girl needed. <laughs> she, uh, but yeah. Oh. And if you don't know, uh, Patricia Neal was uh, she was in the day there should stood still, a face in the crowd, breakfast at Tiffany's, HUD, which she won the the best actress Oscar for. Yeah, and she played Olivia Walton in the in the first Walton's movie. Yeah, yeah, the Homecoming, and, and didn't didn't reprise it for the series, but was in like the movie, the pre movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she also I read she won a Tony at the first ever Tony Awards. Oh yeah, and okay. was the last surviving winner from that first class of winners. At the first ever Tony Awards. Not so, anymore. There's some trivia for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's not alive anymore, though. Um, <laughs> here's what's interesting. Getting back to Wonka, um, Dahl uh, was supposed to be the screenwriter and is the only credited screenwriter on uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, but I guess he never really finished the screenplay. He mainly just kind of wrote an outline and kept referencing <laughs> pages of the book. And they were like, this isn't. Well, he quit or he quit or I think he walked out because he just hated it. Yeah. Well, and then what happened was they brought in a replacement screenwriter and Dahl didn't like the changes that he and Mel Stewart made to the story. And so he disowned the film. Dahl disowned it. And that was it. Yeah. But they wouldn't give the other guy, Steve, uh, David Seltzer, they wouldn't give him a credit, screen credit. Right. Because it had to look like it was all rolled Dahl. They wanted Dahl's name for the marketing to be the screenwriter, yeah. even though he really ended up not writing it. So, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was reading. I got there was a list. They say that, um, and I don't know where I got this from, but uh, it says that there are eight main rules he applied on all of his children's books. Did you see this list? I don't think so. No. Uh, number one, just add chocolate. Number two, adults can be scary. Which is that Matilda movie? That's one with Danny DeVito, isn't it? They played really awful like parents or I don't remember. Uh, three bad things happen. This is all in kids' books. Four <laughs> revenge is sweet. Five keep a wicked sense of humor. Six pick perfect pictures. Not quite sure what that means. Seven films are fun, but books are better. And number eight mm-hmm. food is fun. But um, bad things happen. Adults can be scary. I mean, that, and revenge is sweet. There's, you know, those are kids' books that don't usually get written. So, hey, kids. Uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> but uh, good for him. I mean, you know, for all as him as a human being, I, you know, I've heard rumors about him not being such a nice guy. I don't know because when I was doing the actual research, I couldn't find many examples of him not being a very nice guy. 
Um, yeah, he. I think he had some kind of racist leanings. Or oh, at least, of course. You know, yeah. Certainly would not be acceptable now. Um, the the Oompa Loompas were, you know, black pygmy characters in his book, apparently. And, and Melster was like, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in our movie, we're going to make them orange with green hair, you know, from the land of Oompa Loompa or from Loompa Land. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they do say uh, there was a lot of, uh, they say a, a lot of anti-Semitic uh, uh references in his publications and his family did come out and apologize uh after he was right. dead for his you know actions so he was a genius as a writer and you know like a lot of people nowadays they in retrospect you realize that a lot of the things they wrote weren't very nice um and it, it, it hopefully it doesn't overshadow the, the good things you know those they should be addressed i don't think they should be removed because they're indicative of a time period but as long as they're acknowledged, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like watching on Netflix. Now there's cigarettes in this movie. You know what I mean? It's like the, <laughs> the, the commentary is not indicative of how I feel or how the company feels. You know, these are, right. I mean, I think a simple disclaimer, I'm not going to say that, that, um, that, uh, relinquishes any responsibility, but you know, how can you say, I don't like that. And I like this. It's like removing, right. removing little bits of things that you don't like. Cause they make you uncomfortable. I guess that's, yeah. That's that's what it's all about. So, but the, his family has acknowledged that and apologized for that. And yeah, uh, and you can adapt like as they have with pretty much all his films. You can adapt it and cut out the parts that are yes that have not yeah. aged well or not acceptable anymore, and the story is still good. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so he passed away on uh, November twenty third, nineteen ninety. He was only seventy four. He had a um, my man myelodysplastic syndrome. <laughs> It's probably horribly mispronounced. It's a rare cancer of the blood, basically. Cancer. He had cancer, Mike. Yeah. He, had, <laughs> he was 74. He had cancer. Cancer. Don't ask me for details. Um, and uh, he said just to add chocolate, and they did when they buried him. He was buried with chocolates, among other Really? Uh, how yes. interesting. Um, and well, I think in the book, he imagined that the cho- that Wonka's chocolate would be kind of like the Cadbury chocolates. Very creamy, milky Stop. You know, it's funny because they take that shit very seriously over there in Britain. They do because because Cadbury is made by like Hershey here in America. Mm, mm-hmm. The Cadbury is actually a Cadbury. There's a, you know, it's a factory that makes it a certain way in Europe. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but the, but the Cadbury here is, is substandard to the Cadbury over there, which is interesting. Mm. They take that stuff very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. I, Cadbury <laughs> eggs are like my top three favorite candies. Yeah. And I think I, I flew through the uh the airport in london years ago and i remember it wasn't easter time and they had cadbury eggs for sale yeah and i was like wait 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 you sell these year round here <laughs> it's like I oh the little london. tiny ones yeah 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 <laughs> oh, well there's yeah. whatever yeah it was like oh man we can only get those in easter yeah so, you gotta like no it's funny also they in um around. like we do chocolate bunnies over here they do mm. easter eggs like violet like uh, i'm sorry like veruca's you know the big eggs that are chocolate hollow with stuff inside it that's yeah. their thing like ours are the chocolate bunnies but um that's what they do over there mm. it's just um oh it's a different world a different <laughs> world <laughs> <laughs> well rest in peace rolled doll yeah and i and i did do a quick quick look at it. i know we still weren't going to talk about him but i did want to mention that david seltzer i don't know if you mm-hmm. kept any of that information but you know seltzer was the guy when doll raul doll was kind of on the outs they got david seltzer in to do the writing and he wouldn't get credit but i guess mm-hmm. they were going to produce a movie for him as a favor or something like that he ended up doing the omen 
and uh, and Punchline, and uh, but he's the guy that decided that Slugworth was going to be a proper villain in the movie because he wasn't mm. a character in the book that was a very villainous character. Yeah, they said there were no villains really in the story, and they needed one. Kind yeah, of deal, you know. So as I understand it, Seltzer was the one who did it, and then the ra- filming, I guess, supposedly wrapped, or at least for him. And he told the story about him going to some remote island or something. <laughs> Where there was like one telephone in the whole village yeah. and it was like attached yeah. to a tree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they finally tra- chased him down because they needed a line for the end of the movie, which I, I it sounds like it's been dramatized a tiny bit. But yeah. um, but we need a line. We need a line. And he said that they live happily ever after. And they're like, genius, genius. Yeah, what, ha- what happened to the boy who got everything he wanted? He lived happily ever after. Oh, my God. It's genius. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know if that. I mean, again, people take, uh, you know, it's like the kids were talking about. That took me. 36 takes well no no i'm sure it didn't (laughs) you know probably two and you remember 36 but (laughs) if people get prone to exaggeration but uh and uh david seltzer is still a he's still alive he um wrote uh the omen and bird on a wire and um the con the night to the classic 1988 comedy punchline with Sally oh, Field the stand-up comedy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember and, that. And uh, Shining Through with Melanie Griffith and Michael Douglas. I'm just reading his Wikipedia page at this point because he's not dead, so we weren't going to talk about him. But yeah. And, well, yeah, so he did. He, he contributed quite a bit to the, to the movie. And I think he said during the documentary that he'd never really done something like this, writing-wise. He had not taken on a project like this before, and he was kind of panicked because he's like, I've made all these promises. Mm-hmm. I can do this and I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I think he did a good job. I think it's a great script. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, I'd be curious to know how much exactly what was his contribution and uh, what they yeah. kept from Raul Dahl, you know? So um, we weren't really going to go into the producers, but I did want to mention two things about them because there is an interesting story with them. Um, Stan Margulies and David Wolper were the producers and, uh, Wolper was kind of like the head of, he, it was his company. It was like Wolper Productions, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Stan was his, um, like his VP and they, uh, produced the Roots miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, they, Wolper is, was also responsible for helping to bring the Olympics to Los Angeles in 84. And he produced the opening and closing ceremonies for the 84 Olympics in LA, which I thought was cool. Uh, he has a star on the walk of fame. But here's why I mentioned the Sierras at the top of the podcast. So he, um, they were producing a documentary series called Primal Man about you know early man, and they were uh, they had a big crew working up in the Sierras filming up in the mountains. It was supposed to be um, like the mountains of Tibet or something like that. I can't. They were there was something with a, a tiger, and they brought a tiger up there for this thing and long story short the whole crew gets on a chartered flight out of bishop to fly down to burbank because they're done filming and they got to be filming somewhere else you know, a couple of days later down in la and their plane takes off from the airport in bishop and crashes into a ridge on in the sierras and kills everybody was wolper on it nope wolper and stan i think were back in la because they were the executives, no kidding so they weren't what a crazy story and all 31 members of their crew that were on the airplane died wow and then, wow. and that was in 74, um, it's referred to as the Primal Man Crash. So this is Mike uh, pausing the conversation for a moment because uh, after we recorded this episode, we learned something kind of interesting uh, about one of the victims of this Primal Man plane crash uh, that was part of this documentary crew. And it was a makeup artist named Rolf Miller. And 
Rolf was also a makeup artist on 114 episodes of Bewitched, which was the subject of our last episode. And he also received an Emmy nomination for working on that series. So this is just one of several odd Bewitched connections to Willy Wonka that, you know, we didn't really realize until we, we set out to do this. So back to the show. And um, it is one of only three crashes. I, I don't know if this is true, but I read one of only three crashes that the NTSB has investigated that are still considered unsolved. They don't hmm. know why it crashed into the mountain. How fa- how long after the takeoff do you think it could have been very still, long, right? They were still ascending. They were still climbing, yeah. and they huh. just didn't they didn't climb at a, uh, the correct rate for some reason. But they were in the pilots were in contact with the tower, and there was no reports of oh something's going wrong. They just flew into a mountain. It was nighttime, so that you know I'm sure contributed. But they I mean assumed I guess pilot error, but you don't you don't know what the reason for the pilot error was. Like why didn't they just what happened? Yeah, I wonder if they, um, I mean, if it's unsolved, they still have all that evidence somewhere, I'm sure. I wondered if they, you know, since it's taken so long, maybe they just kind of, you know, brushed it aside. But it's probably all still intact somewhere. Maybe, And yeah. uh, I would imagine so. Imagine, you know, forensically, now that they know, I don't know, DNA-wise, it won't make any difference. But I wonder if they, you know, with all the terrorism that's happened and everything, they could look at it with a fresh set of eyes, um, I think that sometimes it's just a matter of the only people that know are the two pilots. And yeah. There. And that's yeah. the, 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 that secret was lost with them, you know? Yeah. Um, but what wasn't lost was they were able to recover the film footage from the wreckage. Thank they God. Filmed. <laughs> they, <laughs> and they used it and they, 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 the series was uh, broadcast and some of that last footage that they shot up in the Sierras was used. Um, I think correctly, they said, you know, that's what the crew would want. It was the last mm-hmm. thing they ever worked on a bunch of artists, you know, they you would want, you know, it's tragic. Yeah. But at least the last thing they did made it to air. Right. Um, did the tiger, the tiger must've been on it then, eh? The tiger probably, <laughs> I, think, I mean, I think the tiger maybe caught another flight. I, yeah. I, I don't know. He, he, well, the tiger probably flew back to Vegas. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> that's a legit uh, question. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Tony the Tiger. Tony the Tiger lived. Uh, Stan Margulies passed away on uh, February twenty seventh, two thousand one, from lung cancer. He was eighty, and Wolper died on August tenth, twenty ten, of eighty two eighty two years old uh, from congestive heart disease and Parkinson's. So, yeah. R.I.P. Man. I love my air disasters. I hate flying. So yeah, love, love reading about them. Um, and I also wanted to mention uh, Harper Goff, who was the art director who built, designed that amazing set. Yes. Yeah. Because he was such a character. He um, was the set designer for Casablanca. He, That's um, wild. He back before Disneyland was a thing. He met Walt Disney at a model train shop in London. They were both model train geeks and Walt Disney recognized Goff's um, some illustrations he had done for Esquire magazine and was kind of like, Hey, you know, next time you're in LA or whatever, look, look me up. And he did. And Goff did the first artist renderings of Disneyland. And he's, he was dubbed the second Imagineer was his like wow. name. So, and he also helped design the jungle book cruise and the haunted mansion rides there. He also did designs for 20,000 leagues under the sea um, and was kind of, he's credited as kind of the father of steampunk design. So that's the guy that designed that amazing chocolate room set uh, mm-hmm. at the heart of Willy Wonka with the river of chocolate and all that. 
Yeah, that was incredible. And they had, um, as I understand, they, well, he, they waited much like when they, when they did the Goonies and they didn't tell any of the kids they were going to go onto the soundstage and see that spectacular set of that the ship. ship. And yeah. they did the same thing with these kids. They just kept it, apparently, uh, yeah, that's what they say. They kept it quiet. And when they opened up the door, that's their genuine reaction. And same when, when they saw the Oompa Loompas for the first time, apparently they were not <laughs> notified what that was <laughs> that would be way yeah, more shocking i would have been like what the fuck <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> it would have ruined the whole take <laughs> i know right but it would have been you know but there was they weren't saying that as an as a uh an exclamation at that point but i'd be like they'd be cutting me off like a wow and i'd be going <laughs> yeah you can't say f you can't say the f word and yet, our I think our both our favorite quote from the movie is when when uh, Ruka Salt says, "I want it now." What's the matter with those twats down there? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, honestly, she does say twerp. She does say twerp. Does but she? It does sound like it, yeah. It, it does. sounds like twats. I, is I it because of her it accent. Sounds exact. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at all arguing with you <laughs> because I didn't even know twerp was a word over there. I knew it was a word here. Right. But I asked, I asked my friend Anne, and I got, you know, I, I lived there for, I don't know, X amount of years, and I'm like, I've never heard that expression in my life. She goes, oh, yeah, my dad used to call me that when I was a kid. It was, a mm. you know, sort of a, sort of you're an idiot, but in a loving, lighthearted way, not, you know, don't be stupid, don't be daft, don't be a twerp. And uh, huh. so, yeah, that is what she's saying, but it sure sounds like twat to me. It does, but and they, I thought, maybe it's a British thing, maybe they, it wasn't a bad word back then mm, to really no, say. Maybe bad, they won't even say that on TV, no. <laughs> <laughs> They'll say the F word on TV in, yeah. in England, but not the, but not the, not the dreaded TW word. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, no, I took that same video like you sent it to me. I honestly got to take that very same video and send it to a friend of mine. I go, is she really saying this? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. <laughs> um, so Her uh, Harper Goff, the art director, he passed away on uh, March third, nineteen ninety three. He was eighty one uh, from heart failure. He was posthumously named a, a Disney legend, which is a big honor amongst mm. you know in the Disney world. Um, yeah. And there is a window in Adventureland. You know how they some of the writings on the windows in Disneyland, like you know the the Main Street and stuff, are dedicated to certain people. It's like kind of yeah. a code. There is a window in Adventureland that reads "Oriental Tattooing" by Professor Harper Goff, and the lower pane reads "Banjo Lessons." He was a banjo player and had a traveling kind of jazz band that he played banjo in. So that's okay, iffy. so look around for that and see if you can find that. That is. Professor Harper Goff. Harper Goff is the guy that does, helped design Disneyland and designed Wonka. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, the the Nautilus from Twenty Thousand Leagues. I mean, that is an incredible. That submarine is an, a fascinating, yeah. incredible design. So yeah, he did some pretty pretty amazing things. Mm -hmm. And they say that what uh, well, so, uh, Gene Wilder said that a third of that set was edible but you know i mean that's just that's a bit silly but <laughs> yeah. but i mean they, they, but all that stuff that was going on i mean the ship and and the uh and the the waterfall the chocolate waterfall that was actually just colored water i guess but they you know they <laughs> just put um and uh all the edible sort of everything you know it looked so good and even the kids were saying when they were watching it they're saying this looks fantastic and it doesn't even come close to the way it looked you know it was right. so absolutely stunning uh how uh how everything looked and 
Yeah, no, he has, a, has an incredible job in that, down to the ship and, and everything. Mm-hmm. It was, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's to that For that to come out of somebody's brain, <laughs> you know, that is like wild. Good for and them. And they make it work on the budget yes. that they had. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Michael Bold, Bolner, who played Augustus, who had to go in, get in the water, said it was cold and stank. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I wonder what they, what they dyed it with. Um, I mean, what they dyed know. it with. They ended but up it, having to pour some type of solution into it. It was bleach or something to get the smell to go away because it was just like, I guess it got kind of overpowering. Maybe and they used to, like real milk or something. Maybe. I don't know. But he, he uh, yeah, when he, he, he had to, and he said he had to fall in like six different times. But he did say that, that the bit about him getting stuck in that tube was kind of interesting how they, you know, they, they, you know, he's the one that blew up into the, uh, you know, the pressure blew up. And all that Gene Wilder's like, what did he say? Something like, oh, the pressure, you know, it, the tension's building up. I hope it lasts or something. Yeah, like the, yeah he says the um, the tension is uh, intolerable or something like that. I hope it lasts. I There's, hope it he lasts. has so many great little, like, snide, you know, like side out of the side of the mouth lines that he says are so great. Which uh, which is a huge part of the appeal of, of this movie because grownups, as kids, you don't know those things. Right. And, uh, and you know, you just find it really fun and mysterious because Willy Wonka is this wacky character. But as adults, you're watching it and, you know, could you say that a little louder next time? A trifle <laughs> deaf in and, his ear. And know? all the parent, yeah, and all the, yes, and all the parent <laughs> actors get little lines like that too that you might not notice if, you know, you're not paying close attention. Um, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um so both songwriters that wrote the music for it um got oscar noms mm-hmm. uh, out of this one and um leslie brickus um also wrote you only live twice and the can you read my mind love theme from the superman movie um and anthony newley was his, his writing partner on it and he wrote the music stop the world i want to get off and he wrote the hit Feeling Good, which was, you know, the one covered by Nina Simone so famously, and it's been covered mm-hmm. a bunch of times since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is Newley was friends with Sammy Davis Jr., and both Davis and Newley himself wanted the role of the candy man mm-hmm. in the candy shop in the beginning of the movie. And then Sammy Davis Jr., of course, ends up recording his own cover of the Candyman song. Yeah. And that ends up being Sammy Davis Jr.'s only number one Billboard hit ever in his whole career. That's, that's uh, yeah, Disney. that's what I heard that he really wanted to be in the movie, and mm-hmm. they just no, we just got to we got to suspend reality, and you're too big a star. I think Peter Sellers wanted it too, and uh, and it, we just can't we can't do that. So it is very interesting. And then I, I was also reading that Leslie Bracus, I think it was just uh, wrote um, with Gold Goldfinger with Anthony Newley the lyrics mm. to Goldfinger, and like you said, the only you only live twice. Both yep. Bond themes, which goes back to Ian Fleming, which goes back to Raoul Dahl, Raul Dahl which is crazy, you know, right? Yeah. yeah. So he also wrote "Guide to the Married Man," which he wrote with the with John Williams, the famous composer for the movie. Mm. The Beach Boys sang it, and the Victor Victoria music um, did that too. And he won an Oscar for uh, best original song, "Talk to the Animals," I think is what it was from uh, Doctor Doolittle. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and Burkus's wife was Yvonne Evie Romaine, who starred with Elvis in Double Trouble. Oh, okay. Interesting. So there was an Elvis connection as well. Yeah, these guys are swinging 60s people. Yeah, they, they really were. were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for I know, sure. I know Newley was, for sure. Yeah. Um, so um, Leslie Burkus died on October 19th, 2021. Uh, he just recently passed away. He was 90 and was old age. And uh, Newley passed away back in 99 on April 14th, 1999. He was only 67. He had renal cancer. 
he was now this is interesting and you'll like this actually because we know we always got to go back to this point uh anthony newley was married to joan collins anthony newley uh uh was attended a roma polanski and sharon tate's wedding i knew you were going manson i knew i knew I knew <laughs> they did. Anthony Newley and uh, and Joan Collins were friends with Sharon and Roman and went to their wedding in uh, in London at the at the uh, well the reception was at the at the Playboy Club, wow. uh, but uh, but yeah they were there and uh, Anthony Newley was also here's a here's a piece of bizarre trivia for you he was probably the second most famous person immortalized by Cynthia Plastercaster. Oh really? Who we <laughs> who we talked about just on our Patreon only episode yeah. from a couple of weeks ago. Uh Plastercaster, the famous groupie who would take plaster casts of so called famous rock musicians, although the most famous one she did was Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, their penises. She would pl- she penises, would cast their yes. penises. Not their whole bodies. Right. And 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 yeah, Anthony Newley was there was Hendrix and there was uh, Anthony Newley and the rest of them were just kind of like, you know, other bands, but um, <laughs> but those were the those were the two big ones. But Anthony yeah. Newley was a was a complicated guy. He was also in uh, Dr. Doolittle with uh, Rex Harrison and uh there was a, he was a lot of sexual exploits, which I don't really get either because I I remember him from the talk show circuit when he talked I know his voice was different early on when he did that uh, song from uh, Stop the World. What kind of fool am I? I was listening to that today and it wasn't so bad, but I remember him like in the 70s, the late 70s doing that. The way he spoke or the way he sang was like that real. Uh, I mean, it was so exaggerated mm. of a vibrato. It was it was it was yeah. it was distracting. Um, it was not pleasant, but he was, you know, an amazing talent. Apparently in England, he was huge. And, and, and Anthony Newley died on uh, April 14th, 1999 in Florida of renal cancer. Yeah, he was only 67. Live hard, die young. Right, right. That swinging 60s, 70s music scene. All right, uh, let's do the cast. And you, you start with, uh, with uh, one of the greats, Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was. And I did I didn't, you know, doing the research on it, I didn't know he was in Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. You know? I had no idea he was in Bonnie and Clyde. I haven't seen that movie in, in many years, but yeah, he me was neither. in that with Faye Dunaway and, and Warren Beatty. I, yeah, it was mm-hmm. a shock to me. So uh but yeah. Um uh, uh Fred Astaire uh wanted the the Wonka role. Was one of many actors that wanted it, um, but they they judged he was. I think he was in his seventies by this point. And it was just a little too too old for the character. And uh, Peter Sellers supposedly begged Roald Dahl for the part, mm-hmm. and yeah. didn't get it. Um, they held casting, you know, they held auditions, and they said that when Wilder walked in, like two or three sentences in, they were like, "He's the guy." Mm-hmm. And they basically they 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 before he left, they offered him the role. It was like done. They're like, "He's he's he's Wonka." There's it's something about him, and I don't, and I probably said this before. I have like two stories, and I repeat them over and over again. <laughs> but in London, I met him at a, he was doing a show in London. I went to see, and I went backstage and met him. And I, you know, I only I knew him. Of course, I knew who he was. This would have been in the, the late nineties, and uh, and I remember, you know, it's like I was Gene Wilder. Didn't really care because because they didn't really think much of him. I liked him. Don't get me wrong. But anyway, when I met him, it was like, bam, his eyes. I mean, it was incredible. It just, Mm -hmm. it was, and it sounds so weird to say this, but they were like magical eyes. Like you looked and you just, I'll say this and it, it sounds wanky, but 
you could just see you could see he was good mm. by looking in his eyes. There was some kind of weird twinkle. They were so so very blue, but honest to God, it was like a feeling I got. This guy's a good guy, and mm. uh, it's just it's just weird. But he but he but that's I'm sure that's what they saw in him. You know, was the, just the magic in his eyes, and he did have incredible eyes. And the kids on the movie all loved him. The kid actors, they all said that, which they, you know, looking back, they were like, you know, someone was always wanting to be next to him or sit on his lap or whatever. And they, he never got tired of it. You know, mm -hmm. he was never like, please give me some, <laughs> give me some time to myself for a second. Um, so, yeah, I, I haven't heard a negative thing about him. Except <laughs> Terry Gar <laughs> from Young Frankenstein. Oh. She, there's, didn't you know, she did that interview and she goes, he was a jerk. You know, now mm. she may have just been having a, a weird day and just got sick of being asked the stupid questions, but she does that whole interview and she goes, yeah, he was just a jerk because she, she huh. dated him for a while when they were making Young Frankenstein. Right. So, uh, but that's, you know, that's, that's, that's exist. I mean, you could find that, but I find that's, yeah. to me, it seemed like she was just tired and tired <laughs> of answering questions. <laughs> He's a jerk. Stop asking me about him. Yeah. So he was a last minute replacement uh, for the lead in Blazing Saddles and we talked about this. There is a bewitched connection because he replaced Gig Young. Gig Young, who had been married, married to Elizabeth Montgomery of Bewitched, yeah. Gig Young, who later on um, murdered his his next, uh, you know, a later wife, and then killed himself. Um, he was a, a Gig Young was an alcoholic, and he um, on the very first day of filming Blazing Saddles, he collapsed on set from alcohol withdrawals, and was immediately fired. And they called. Gene Wilder and were like, can you please get on a plane and fly out here and make this movie? And he agreed. Hmm. Interesting. And that's why it happened. Yeah. So there's a, a bewitched connection. So go, go back and listen to our bewitched episode. Yeah. Um, he was also in the producers, young Frankenstein, which he wrote. Um, he was with Richard Pryor in four films. Um, and of course he was married to Gilda Radner, who was his third wife. Uh, until she died from cancer in 1989. Um, and there's a really great documentary about her and, of course, their marriage called uh, Love Gilda that came out a few years ago that I yeah. recommend. That was, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that's, Gilda was one of those people that you just, it just tears your heart out. You don't, yeah. when Lorraine Newman said that, I think we talked about this, on a, we did a Saturday Night Live episode, talked about Gilda, but, you know, sometimes you could see some kind of weird karma involved and sometimes, you know, you just kind of go, what the hell is that? It's like right. Terry Gar. It's like Annette Funicello. It's, you know, these are people that you just look at and smile and think they, there's nothing. And then terrible things happen to them. It's just all, it's awful. Yeah. But um, he, and Gilda even said, she, but I did like this. And, and I, I, again, probably repeating myself, but uh, it, when she wrote her book, it's always something about her struggle with, with cancer. And that had to have been, you know, she was an insecure, really insecure individual. And he stuck with her through the whole thing. And, yeah. and uh, when she came out of it, you know, thought she was in the clear or she was for a short period of time. Um, she said, after reading my book, women from all over the world, all over the world will fall in love with Jean. Unfortunately, they're all going to have terminal diseases, <laughs> you know, uh. <laughs> which is sweet. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, this is great. <laughs> but he was, you know, he was one of those people that he was when he did the whole Jean, when he did the Willy Wonka thing, I guess he said 
that he would, this is a stipulation. This is how I want to make my entrance. And with the thing with the cane, he was acting as if he had like a, a, a limp leg. He was walking mm-hmm. with a limp and he had the cane and then he, the cane gets stuck in the bricks and he tumbles forward like he's going to fall and does a somersault and everyone goes, hooray. And Willy Wonka, you know, opens up his candy shop. But then that's another point where all the kids, this is their first scene that they shot. You know, the, mm. the kids were there, and this is the very first scene these people were shooting for the movie. And they didn't know who June Wilder was. And this guy comes out of this <laughs> this weird door and hobbles out and then does this whole thing. That They were just as shocked as everyone else was to see it happen. They did a lot uh, of almost what I would call forced method acting, <laughs> the kids. Because they did that. They didn't know that he was going to do that stunt, so they'd get a real yeah. look out of him. They didn't show him the big sound stage until they walked in and saw it. And then yeah. at the end, when he yells, he gets mad, and he yells, you know, good day sir and he, you, you yeah. lose good day um they 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 didn't know how hard he was going to go on that take and that kind of shocked expression especially on charlie is yeah. real he didn't know he's going to yeah. start shouting that's horrible like that. yeah yeah it's terrible <laughs> no it's it is and then what, what also was really disturbing is that like his i you know his his hair would go manic you know his hair would go crazy and you know i think period you know through the film it gets worse and worse you know and then yeah. you know it just at the end he, it's like it's all over the place it's flying and uh, and that just makes it even more intense when you when you see that scene you know you want yeah. that sparkly eyed person coming around and screaming at you <laughs> with this maniacal hair <laughs> and um but I think that was the whole thing. He started the whole shoot with the with you know throwing people off guard by doing that uh, that tumble. And they you know say they some people say that that was a stipulation. If I can't do it this way, then I'm not going to do it. Um, I don't know if that's true, but it's a good story. Yeah, he supposedly said he wouldn't take the role unless they let him do that stunt. They were kind yeah. of like, oh, okay. <laughs> Now, it's like I said, I don't know if it's fine. true or not, but it works because yeah. to the rest of the movie, you don't know what's up his sleeve. You don't know if he's telling the truth. He exactly. talks in weird languages. He tells bizarre stories mm-hmm. and, um, you know, talks about kids, you know, being, you know, oh, she's down in the incinerator now. You know, and it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> take him to the taffy room so we can stretch right. him out. I mean, it's like awful, terrible things. Yeah. But uh, Kids are like very elastic at that age or whatever he yeah. says. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh-huh. but, yeah, he was something that... But that whole psychotic monologue in the in the ship in the tunnel and yeah uh, that was terrifying and uh and you know with the chick i mean it's really quite graphic the chicken getting its head chopped off and the worms and everything yeah that was really um i mean that was a real proper chicken getting its head chopped off it wasn't a special effect that was stock footage or something right uh and uh yeah there's the worms and insects eating other insects and stuff and then the whole you know he said i was I, just a couple of, you know, like the fires of hell and the grizzly reaper and you know he's talking mm. to these little kids that are going, like i thought it was going to be a show about candy <laughs> and i think violet says something like is it is this a freak out or something like that yes that was, i love that <laughs> <laughs> it's a freak out or something yeah <laughs> funny but um but yeah gene so gene wilder um as you know, after after living through that whole thing with Gilda Radner, which is well documented, then got married again and and lived a happy life. But his wife kind of stayed out of the out of the limelight because he was always going to be sort of Mister Gilda. After that, you mm. know, he was. They lived he, in the same and, house. Yeah, too. Did they? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, but he, weird. he couldn't not. She was always going to be looked on as a villainess, you know, mm. or a villain by by being the new woman in Gene Wilder's life uh, that was that was never going to work out well because she was so because Gilda People was so loved it. yeah yeah 
So um, he yeah. also was, you know, Wonka for the rest of his life. You know, all the all the roles he did, and he did tell a story that he was like in a grocery store one time, and this mother walked up and was like, "You're Willy Wonka. Can I can I tell my kid you're Willy Wonka?" You know, is your kids with her? And he said something like, "Yeah, but but uh, only if you whisper it, <laughs> only if you say it quietly, so that I don't yeah. get mobbed. <laughs> you can come over." And so he he was very he he kept honoring that. Um, you know, the legacy that he had for playing that character. And he died from Alzheimer's and um, he apparently kept it quiet in part so that he wouldn't, he said, so he wouldn't make Willy Wonka fans sad to know that he was suffering with, you know, this illness. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? All yeah. those movies he did and, you know, <laughs> Wonka is always going to be probably the biggest. It's iconic. Young Frankenstein to be a second. Mm-hmm. Blazing uh, Saddles, probably third. Yeah. Huh. Well, rest in peace. Wait, he died. Oh, they say he died while he was listening to Ella Fitzgerald singing over the rainbow. They right. played it for him. Which was and, his, uh, and, yeah. I, and ironically, um, uh, Ebert, when he reviewed Wonka, the movie, when it came out, said it was the best kids movie since Wizard of Oz. Hmm. Isn't it interesting? I mean, I remember seeing it when it first came out and I remember being really blown away by the look of it. Mm. Uh, but I never really, I guess it was so much of it was uncomfortable in me and that was his maniacal sort of, you know, rants and things like that. I didn't understand a lot of that. I still find it, it's got more of an edge than the Wizard of Oz, most certainly. Well, the Wizard yeah. of Oz had its edge too, for considering it's <laughs> 1939, but, uh, but yeah, it just seemed a bit more sinister because the good guy was also this bad guy. Whereas, you know, the lines were pretty clear in the Wizard of Oz, who was what, and um, and Willy Wonka was that weird one that teetered back and forth. Mm-hmm. What was that famous um, that famous description of Wizard of Oz? It's so good. Hold on, it was from a newspaper, I think, or like a TV guide. It was uh, transported to a surreal landscape. A young girl kills the first person she meets, and then teams up with three strangers to kill again. It's <laughs> perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so Gene Wilder passed away on August 29th, 2016. He was 83 and it was Alzheimer's. So rest in peace, Gene Wilder. R.I.P. So uh, the next uh, actor on the list is was the second build in the film, which is kind of interesting. And that is um, Jack Albertson, who played Grandpa Joe. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh-huh. <laughs> Who would have only been around 60, 62, 63 no. maybe at the time because he, be he died. He died 10 years later and he was only 74. So he was only five years older than me when he made Willy Wonka. Yeah. Only five years older than me. Maybe, maybe like three or four. <laughs> so just so we're uh, to to catch people up here, you're you are older than Bogart, and you're a few years away from your Grandpa Joe phase. Five years younger than Grandpa Joe. In a few years, you can start um, just living out of your bed, per, like full time. <laughs> you know what? I the amount of vitriol on the line about Grandpa Joe is fascinating to me <laughs> people there are websites devoted to how much people hate him about <laughs> facebook groups i mean there is a i was like i dislike that piece of shit that is grandpa joe from willy wonka that's the name of a facebook group <laughs> that's there's the another, name of the whole group <laughs> yes there's a website called say no to grandpa joe.com <laughs> 
Because they're like, because they're like, because he wouldn't, they're like, he wouldn't get out of bed to support his family, but he got out of bed to go to a chocolate factory. He wouldn't get out of bed and he complained to the mother because maybe the floor was too cold. Okay. The people, (laughs) the family are eating cabbage water and he's just deciding to give up tobacco just then, you know, (laughs) and then the kid buys a loaf of bread and he's like, oh, we're going to have a real banquet tonight, you know, and it's like, but he's been smoking tobacco. So, right. so yeah, there's, there's, there's people get really angry about him and I, it's kind of funny now I was, um, here's what I read on say no to grandpa Joe.com. Uh, in the early stages of the story, it's clearly established that grandpa Joe does not contribute to the household in a meaningful way. He does not work. And in fact, has not left a bed in 20 years. He offers criticism of the situation, but is unwilling to work to help improve it. He initially claims that he's unable to help and offers a litany of excuses why he cannot get out of bed. Things change rapidly when Charlie finds the golden ticket. He's suddenly able to get out of bed and engage in quite a stunning display of physical prowess. <laughs> you know, and he's like, I got a golden ticket. I got it. I got it. It's, mm. It is interesting knowing all this and going back and watching it. And another thing, <laughs> Mrs. Bucket did laundry for a living. That was her job. Charlie's, Charlie's mom. Yeah. Yes. Did you see that nightshirt he was wearing? It was all brown stained in the front of it. I mean, it wasn't yeah. all brown, but it was like it was these gross. brown, like probably tobacco juice stains, mm. you know? I mean, or, or cabbage water stains, but still, she did laundry for a living. And he's in there with this dirty, nasty, nasty, it's funny. Say no to Grandpa Joe. Say no to Grandpa Joe. <laughs> I do think, though, that, you know, because I watched it again uh, for, you know, prepping for this episode, and, um, he Charlie is definitely a little bit better version of a person than Grandpa Joe is. Because remember at the end when they mm-hmm. get told off and in the office and Charlie's like, you know, or, or Grandpa Joe's like, come on, Charlie, let's go, you know, sell that gobstopper base. Let's go, yeah. you know, someone who can buy that gobstopper. And Charlie's like, no, I'm going to give the gobstopper back to Wonka. And that's what wins him the grand prize. Yeah. So... Yeah, and so for the, for the, a quick just a quick uh, explanation, the everlasting gobstopper strawberry is a piece of candy that Wonka is just inventing, and throughout the movie, these five children win these golden tickets to get a tour. These five golden tickets to get a tour of the chocolate factory, and every time that you know kid wins one, this this villain shows up and whispers in their ear. We find out later that he says he's Slugworth. A, uh, a competing co- cho- uh, chocolate company, and will pay them for one of those gobstoppers to get the whole recipe because that will put him out of business yeah and so that's the whole thing and then you know so at the end of it charlie has the gobstopper and they're gonna leave and willie wonka just told him off saying get the hell out of here and grandpa joe says he'll get his gobstopper we'll sell it to him Mm -hmm. and charlie says no and thus he wins and and going forth with that willie wonka saying you know because i know if a grown-up did it they'd want to do it their way and that's why i need a kid to do it my way Mm mm-hmm so uh, to run the the chocolate factory after I'm gone. So um, it was interesting, very interesting. Yeah, and it also ties into the reason that Wonka had shut the, the, the factory down and become a recluse in the first place is because people kept, his employees kept acting as spies and stealing his creations yeah. and giving them to the competition. So that makes yeah. sense. That's his big test is I need someone who's not going to do that. Right, and trust. so he hired the spy, Slugworth. However, he called the spy Slugworth, but all through the movie, there is Slugworth candy. So mm-hmm. Slugworth was a real person. Was Willy Wonka really making Slugworth candy, uh, you know, and, and putting it out there as prop or candy? Or was the guy who just posing as Slug, Slugworth but wasn't the real Slugworth? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. 
It may be so, but it would it's be probably weird in the book that. if I ever read it. <laughs> you know what? I Maybe read that when I was a kid. I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, but uh, did you did you see that video I posted of of Jack Albertson licking the wallpaper? Yes. <laughs> oh, so creepy. <laughs> Something you don't ever need to see again. <laughs> Scarier really... than the tunnel scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was um, that was something else. It's an image yeah, you're not going to get out of your out of your mind for a long time. No, and there was a girl, uh, one of the people who commented. Her name was Sarah Love. She said that uh, she'd seen Jack Alberts in a, in a show called "I'm Not Rappaport" just before he died, and he did a Q and A. And someone asked him about licking the wallpaper, and he said, "What the hell do you think it tasted like? It wasn't lemons." <laughs> <laughs> Tasted like wallpaper. <laughs> um, he started out in vaudeville and in radio. Uh, he got three fourths of the way to an EGOT because he won an Emmy, an Oscar, and a Tony. The only oh, thing he didn't win was the Grammy. Um, he was also in Poseidon Adventure, which we did an episode on. Um, and he won an Emmy. His Emmy he won for Chico and the Man television series. Um, and his last film role was he was a voice actor in The Fox and the Hound for Disney, which was one of my favorite movies when I was growing up. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I love nice. that movie. Um, and there's also another Bewitched connection. Mm-hmm. His sister was Mabel Albertson, who played Phyllis Stevens on Bewitched, who was Darren's mother. I've got a sick headache, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and she died just 10 months after uh, her brother did, Jack did, uh, from Alzheimer's. Interesting that you know they were making Chico and the Man, which is a huge show with Freddie Prinze and Jack Albertson, and Freddie Jack Albertson outlived Freddie Prinze because Freddie right. Prinze uh, killed himself, mm-hmm. and uh, and the show went on. I, I forget what they called it, but it was they took out the Chico bit. It was just and, the man, uh, and yeah, and just started <laughs> you know kept the show going. I don't think it lasted, but because he needed that you know that uh, that chemistry that was gone after Freddie was, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, they yeah. did try to make a go of it after that, but um. Yeah, that piece of shit, Grandpa Joe. <laughs> I love that. Oh my god, it's so funny. But people hate him. I mean, I, I read, I'd be really angry because it, you know he was sitting in bed that whole time, <laughs> and doesn't let his mom be the one to go. To did she? Did she not want to go? What was going on with? That? Didn't ask. Nobody asked. I guess. I mean, they were close, you know, because Grandpa Joe did, you know, sneak him the candy bar, and yeah. uh, so they were they were close, but uh, yeah. That makes makes more sense. Well, if it makes the Grandpa Joe haters happy, uh, Jack Albertson died on November 25th, 1981. He was 74, and it was colon cancer. Mm-hmm. What a bummer. R.I.P. I think they were both scattered at sea, both he and his sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out in the Pacific. Um, Roy Kinnear will do some of the parents, uh, who was uh, Mr. Salt, Veruca Salt's father. Um, he was a su- successful character actor, and his dad was a professional rugby player who was also named Roy Kinnear. Mm-hmm. And his dad died when he was only 38 while playing rugby with the RAF in 1942, you know, during World War II. Um, and if you're a rugby fan listening to this, the Scotland Rugby League named their Student Player of the Year Award after Roy Kinnear's dad, who was also Roy Kinnear. Nice. Didn't know that. Very interesting. Didn't did know that. Uh, Roy appeared in a bunch of stuff. He was one of those character actors who was in tons and tons of things. Um, he was in the Beatles' uh, Help. Uh, he was in the Hammer Horror movie Taste of the Blood of Dracula, Taste of the Blood of Dracula with Christopher Lee. Um, and his wife was Carmel Cryan. 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 She was Brenda Boyle in EastEnders. Brenda Boyle. Mm-hmm. I have to look that one up. I don't know that name. 
I know you're an EastEnders fan, so I figured. Yeah, I am. And I, his daughter, because the girl who played Ver Veruca Salt was also claimed she was an EastEnders. So I'm like, mm, I had to mm -hmm. look her up, and she was like, nah. Well, she probably was in a couple episodes, but but no, that Brenda, I have to look that one up. I don't know that character. Brenda Boy. But, um, this is something that's kind of interesting that I didn't know until I moved over there, but a Veruca is actually a wart. It's a planter's wart that you get oh, on the bottom I didn't of your know foot. That. Yeah, and I so I would see these ads on commercials, commercials for like you know if you have a Veruca, do this, and which makes sense. Roll Dahl would, would call this character Veruca because it's, she's an awful little mm -hmm. girl. So she a Veruca is actually a wart on the bottom of your foot, and uh, <laughs> it's just and, I thought it was kind of clever. And I knew Veruca Salt also as the rock band from the nineties. Oh, was there one called that? Mm -hmm. Oh, how cool! Okay, yeah, they had um they had the song um Seether was their big like their big big hit. He, uh, Roy Kinnear, uh, Rukasalt's father, died a really weird, tragic way. He was um, filming uh, The Return of the Musketeers in Spain in 1988, and he fell off a horse and broke his pelvis and sustained internal bleeding, and he died the next day from a heart attack, uh, really, you know, as a result of those injuries. Oh, interesting. We, well, that's sad. I mean, that sucks. Yeah. He was only 54. It was September 20th, 1988, and his family ended up suing both the production and the hospital, and between the two of them got about $1.5 million Good for out them. of them. That was I mean, I guess, if they're, so. they were really at... Uh, so the hospital um, screwed up as well as the production That's what they company. Felt like, yeah, the production, they said, I guess, was you know unsafe with the way the horses and the way they were kind of overworking them or something. I, I can't remember what the, the charge was, but yeah. Yeah, died from a horse fall while filming. While filming, I think that's a bummer. Yeah, he was only fifty four. Gosh. Yeah. You know um, what? I'm six years older than, than Roy Kinnear ever got. When to he be. died. Yeah, <laughs> that's because you don't ride horses. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch? Did you watch? I know you probably didn't. Any of the the Jubilee, the you know the Queen's Jubilee just started happening this week. I did. It's going to be like an entire month or so of of celebrations, and they had the horse show on mm. uh, on Sunday, and it was just you know I'm a big. I don't pay for them. So, uh, you know, I, I feel differently than right. the royal family or, you know, I love them. I think they're lovely mm -hmm. and I get caught up in their, you know, day to day and they're, you know, I read the gossip and all that sort of stuff. But You're I love royalist. the royal family yeah. and I love her. I think she is, you know, she uh, she is the only one in the family who hasn't embarrassed the family. And mm -hmm. I, I'm very fond of her. And to see her show up at these things, I saw today also she unveiled the new uh, subway line, uh, the Elizabeth line. And so, mm -hmm. it's, but it's neat to see her because, you know, we're, we're like, you know, <laughs> it ain't going to be very long. And uh, so it's neat to see her there for this Jubilee, which is, you know, just the, the Golden Jubilee. I was there for that. And that was just an incredible time. And people like the British... You know, you can get caught up in, in a lot of bullshit, you know, but but in day-to-day -day politics, et cetera, taxes, et cetera. But yeah. it's, so, it's so wonderful to see, you know, that kind of people camaraderie uh, for something like that and something everyone gathering up for this happy, you know, to, for a lot of people, a happy occasion. 70 years on the throne is incredible. So wow. anyway, yeah. it was it was neat to see that. And I don't know what, what got me started on that. The horse show. That's what it was. The horse yeah. show. Uh, but yeah, it's so there's going to be this whole concert. Tom Cruise was at this thing the other day, but um, I heard Diana about Ross that. Is, yeah, yeah, I heard about yeah, it. He's like become weird. friends with them. 
It's I've bizarre heard. because, you know, everything else, everyone else is British. Brit well, not all Brits, but they're all part of the Commonwealth. And then mm -hmm. Tom Cruise. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, right. well. <laughs> but, um, you know, I guess they, they want the, the name, the name. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. But uh, it is. It is. Did you ever see the, the during the Golden Jubilee when they did the big concert? Uh, Grace Jones did the whole thing with a hula hoop. <laughs> No, she's, she's got this like ten minutes set, and during the whole thing, she's <laughs> it's it's it is awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, but I, okay, went off on a tangent. But then I also looked up Brenda <laughs> on EastEnders, and I I tell you, I don't. I it just happened. I I watched it during this time too, and I don't remember this character at all. So <laughs> I, it has her having to do with all these people I know, but I don't remember yeah. her. So hmm. um so yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, wait. She got married to Charlie Slater? I didn't know that. I should know this. Okay. Anyway. Now you do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Huh. All right. All right. I'm, gonna put, right. I'm putting that part away. Putting the part of my life away. Right All right. Now. We're moving on to someone else's dad. Uh, Leonard yes. Stone, who played Mr. Beauregard, who was Violet's father. Um, another character actor with too many you know roles to list. Pretty much name a TV show from the 60s to the 80s, Honestly. and he appeared on it probably yes. at some point. He was also in Night Court, my favorite. Yeah, I was going to say, I knew, I knew you'd pick that one up. <laughs> um, and he was even on Wheel of Fortune in 2000, which is wild. He was in Soylent Green, which is a, a, a mm -hmm. fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, a Night to Remember, and it, it was uh, not the first Titanic movie, but it was one of you know one of three that are very famous in 1956. And uh, and also one of my favorite things he did was he uh, he was Farnham in Lost in Space. Uh, and he played he had he owned the intergalactic zoo and he mm. would show up with these wild animals or creatures from other planets and stuff like that. But uh, but he was um, yeah, he was just he was a staple in television, uh, showed up on every everything. And uh, Shaky's Gun in the West was another movie he did, mm. which I loved. But Night Court, yeah, that was, I, I knew you'd find that one. I need to look him up <laughs> and see what episode it was. What, what, well, I did, did find out. I did see oh. it, actually. Oh, oh, okay. And he plays he plays a character called Nikolai Karpov. And uh, this is Yakov's brother. Yakov, I guess, is a, is a character on Night Court. Yakov. Uh, his brother wants to defect to the United States. In short order, Harry's courtroom is overrun by a Russian circus troupe, agents of the KGB and CIA, and a pair of hot-tempered arms negotiators. So um, that's what that's what they say. Wow, that's cool. I'll have to, I'll have to look up that episode. I'm because I'm sure I saw it. Um, he uh, Leonard Stone was the last surviving parent who toured the factory. He was the last one. To, he lived the longest of all the parents. <laughs> Who comes up with these facts? <laughs> <laughs> he died because he he did not outlive Charlie's mother, the actress that played her his mother, but she didn't tour the factory. So of the adults who toured the factory, he was the last survivor. Okay, he was he was the last survivor with the initials LS that were in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that also right? Yeah, he was also. Um, this is like it gets into like baseball stats. He was also the third longest living left-handed outfielder. No, um, he uh, he passed away on November second, uh, twenty eleven. He was eighty seven. He had cancer just one day before his eighty eighth birthday. And he almost made it. What a bummer. Oh. But he's another one of those guys. It was always at the uh, always at the autograph show. So he was a nice guy. I talked to him mm -hmm. a few times. I mean, I know no no. I mean, nothing to speak of. But he was always there, and he was always really nice. And and 
I, uh, God, I love those autograph shows. They were, I will, you know, I always talk about those, but uh, you know, God, they were great. They were so great. Well, and uh, Denise Nickerson, who played his daughter Violet, was also, I think, a staple at the autograph mm-hmm. conventions and stuff as well. Um, and uh, she started out as a stage actor when she was only five years old, which is crazy. And she at- continued acting for another eight years after Wonka. Um, she was also in the kids' show The Electric Company uh, in the 60s, and she was in the um, the soap operas Dark Shadows and Search for Tomorrow, which were uh, soaps in the 60s and 70s. Um, and she was also in an episode on the final season of The Brady Bunch when Peter Brady goes on two dates in one night. She was one of the dates, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. And also I read she lost out to Linda Blair for The Exorcist. Didn't, doesn't everybody claim they lost out to Linda Blair for The Exorcist? Like, is that like a thing? It's up there. It's up there. It's up there with uh, Scarlett O'Hara. And uh, and uh, there's yeah, there are there are several people that claim that. But uh, why would you? you know, I didn't get that part. I wouldn't be bragging about that. You know? There's another thing I didn't do. But uh, yeah. but uh, no, it's, but electric <laughs> yeah, company. I didn't get that, that part. A... It just makes my head spin. <laughs> oh, you're so saying angry. That one. <laughs> Um, so she retired from acting when she was only 21 and then she found out her parents had spent all her money. So it was one of those, Another one of those. situations. Yeah. So much. So she ended up becoming an office manager and an accountant for a doctor, um, did the fan conventions, did, uh, the public cast reunions that they did. There were, there were several over the years. Um, and then she had a stroke in 2018 and a year later she overdosed on some type of medication. Uh, I don't know if it was intentional or unintentional. And uh, she died at the hospital a couple of days after that because she had a, a do not resuscitate yeah. order. Um, so she's only 62, technically died from pneumonia, and it was uh, July 10th, 2019, so just a few years ago. She, um, you know, it was, it's so, back when, you know, I was doing my research on the Rocky Horror Picture Show book, and I got to be friends with, with Pat Quinn, who played Magenta in the movie. And, you know, they 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 would... The only money they ever got was for the original play soundtrack. They got like more money than that than they ever got for residuals for the movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they had to live with this legacy the whole time, which wasn't a bad thing to do. But even Barry Bostwick was like, come on, it's been 40 years. Share the wealth. You got your right. DVDs. You got your jackets. You got your buttons. You've got your all this Absolutely. other stuff. You know, share the wealth. So it was kind of neat that these people did live long enough to be able to capitalize on their something. Wonka stardom more right. than, because the kids, I guess they made 600 pounds for the whole thing, that's right. which was about that's what, uh, that's what Julie, Julie Don Cole played Ruka Salt says she got 60 pounds a week for 10 weeks, 600 pounds. Yeah. And which is the equivalent it. of like a thousand dollars today, right. you know, 600 right. pounds crazy. is like a thousand bucks. And, and Paris Thimmon who played Mike TV, he, you could tell in the documentary or in the, uh, the, the, um, after they were famous thing, you could tell he was bitter about the money situation yeah but he's a, he's Not, also he's, he's no different than his character i mean that that paris guy is is much like like <laughs> yeah. tv but he but, he's, uh, I, you can tell there is definitely some they're a little bitter about the fact that you know everybody else kept making money off this and they they at least from the film. Now they can go into the conventions and stuff, but that's yeah. also, that's more work too. It's not like sit home and get a residuals check, you know, it's, which is it's nicer. It's called a job. But it's true. That's <laughs> true. That's you true. do have to work. But, but I mean, I'm not saying that, that, the longevity, you know, that's just, you know, I understand. I'd be a bit bitter too. However. It's something we've talked about a lot on this, on our show yeah. too. I, I just, you're given this opportunity to make, you know, money and it's cash money. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know. It didn't seem like, uh, 
it didn't seem like the kids had that much of a, a, a jobbing actors is all they were after that. You know, there were no big movies. They were never going to get any bigger than Willy Wonka, uh, which is kind of weird to, to peak at that young of an age as an actor. But a lot of them are still working as actors. Well, yeah. actually, no, they're not. I think mm-hmm. Julie, Julie Cole, is that what her name is, that played Veruca? She's the only one that's actually working. The rest of them are literally all of them are accountants. Uh, you know, I think she work. is mostly retired now, but she was by far the most successful acting career yeah. afterwards. She was in a bunch of TV and film stuff in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah, she worked a lot. Yeah, it was six weeks of their lives. Well, they say it was a five-month shoot. So maybe mm-hmm. it was five months for Peter Ostrom who played Charlie. But yeah. the rest of them, it was like six or eight weeks or something like that, or 10 weeks. And uh, 10 weeks of your life, you know, and, and mm-hmm. international celebrity for the rest of your life. and Yeah. Also, supposedly, Denise Nickerson, Violet, and um, and and um, and Julie Cole of Ruka Salt, they both both actresses supposedly had a crush on Peter Ostrom, Charlie, while making the film, and they would take turns hanging out with them in, 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 when oh. they had free time. So there's a little <laughs> set crush, teen crush going on because they were all like twelve or thirteen, except for um, I think um, um, Paris Them and Mike TV was like eleven. Yeah. 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 They, even Gene Wilder alludes to him not being a very nice kid. It's like, I like he, him now, but back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, yeah. you know, there's that, there was the, one of the machines that had the bees. Yeah. And he's, he admitted that he let the bees out. Like, it's just, yeah. Dude. Yeah. He was very that's much why he got that the part. way, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but she, now it was, I, it was interesting to finally get an explanation as to, um, you know, when they blew her up, what that was, you know, what they actually did to her. And, and there was one thing that said it was a metal thing, but the other one sounds more legit that it was styrofoam, a styrofoam ball that mm. they carved her shape out of. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, uh, they said, she said that, um, again, these things get embellished over the years. I don't know how much of it's true, but they, she said that she was, I mean, you could look at it and see her, the ball of her body was bigger, taller than the Oompa, Oompa Loompas were. Right. And they didn't know how to steer her. They, <laughs> she said she got bashed into a doorway more than once. From uh, from faulty Oompa Loompa steering, <laughs> so, but, um, but um, and the the and the uh, well the the three actors uh, the Oompa Loompas that they had on that documentary they also I think they kind of confirmed that yeah that happened but none of them wanted to take credit for it yeah and the one guy's like hey man I was holding the door open it couldn't have been me <laughs> <laughs> so um so anyways rest in peace Denise Nickerson um. Nora Denny, a.k.a. Dodo Denny, was uh, Mrs. TV, Mike's mom. And she was another character actress in a bunch of stuff. She was in Green Acres and Petticoat Junction and Bewitched and Heart to Heart, Get Smart. Uh, she was also in Splash. Um, but I thought this was interesting. Her two sons formed the 70s punk band The Weirdos in Los Angeles. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, they were brothers that founded that, that punk band and they were, I mean, they were contemporaries of the Ramones. They, you know, the Ramones were big influences on them and um, and I think they had a big influence on because I was into pop punk, especially California stuff in the 90s and they, yeah. you can definitely see the influence the weirdos had on that scene um, and one of the brothers was almost uh, almost joined the Red, Red Hot Chili Peppers at one point also but it didn't didn't work out. So that was interesting. Mrs. So, TV's oh, I didn't sons. know that. I didn't know she had that many kids. She had two sons. That's very yeah. cool. Because I've heard of the weirdos. I didn't know that. Yep. I know that she, um, back in uh, Kansas City, they were trying to make a, 
Elvira character, or actually it was Vampire back then, and they and she did that back in Kansas City for the local news. I think Marilyn the Witch is what they called her. <laughs> but it, she was haggish. She wasn't going to be like sexy Marilyn. She was kind of <laughs> haggy. And, uh, but that's really how she got her start in show business. And she was another one that was a regular on Bewitched, you know, so that's what, how many, that's Mabel Anderson, that's Dodo Denny and Jack mm-hmm. Alberts or, um, no, uh, there was Mabel the Gig Albertson. Young connection. Gig Young. That's what it was. There's three Lady so far. Sadness, yeah. yeah. And she was supposed to be at the house on Cielo drive in the night of the murders. She's just said that or she really was? No, I just made oh that up. God, I was going to lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she lost out to uh, Linda Blair on The Exorcist. So, you know. <laughs> uh, no, she uh, she passed away on November 20th, 2005. Uh, she was 78 and it was just listed as cancer. R.I.P. We like Dodo Denny. R.I.P. Um, I, I only have a few things on some of the other parents and folks ursula wright 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 uh was mrs gloop augustus's mom she was mostly a a german tv actress um she passed away in 98 she was 84 um from natural causes ursula wright who was who played mrs gloop um was a a very successful actress in germany and continued to be a very successful actress in germany Mm -hmm. and uh just playing on the german thing i was watching uh and, and i noticed that willy wonka speaks in german at some point and this mm. is weird because there was no there were no subtitles. He you know he speaks in French, which I'll I'll talk about in just a second. But he talks in German too. And so I recorded it and I sent it to uh, my friend Rachel K. And she this is before the uh, they get on that vehicle that they go with that spits out all the, the foam, uh, foam yeah. all the gassy stuff. And what he says he she said this is a uh, he, Willy Wonka says please. Uh, give me your attention. You're now entering into the most interesting and at the same time, most secret room of the factory. Ladies and gentlemen, the inventing room. So, and then then when they go through that thing and they're spraying all that junk all over and then they go through the squeezy bit mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and he also, then he starts singing this bizarre song, which isn't even a language. I mean, it's like, it sounds, there's like a couple of German words in there, but, but otherwise, I mean, he just spits out this bizarre, you know, these, these, these bizarre words, you know, it was really, it adds to the Wonka character most definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, she was, um, but I love that the most secret room of the factory the inventing room. But they said it in German. How are kids going to know that? You know, <laughs> really? That's information we needed to know, man. <laughs> well, it's, it's, Important. you know, it's, it's a bit odd. If for, it's the most know. secretive room, then I need to know that information. Yeah. Well, I guess they did that for the German audience, I guess. Um, so Ursula passed away on November 9th, 1998. Uh, she was 84 and it was natural causes. Mm-hmm. She was in a Mrs. ton of German TV shows I've never seen, but that's she had a great big career. Um, and yeah. and uh, kind of ironically, I guess uh, her the, the actor who played her son Augustus, uh, he was not an actor when he was cast. He mm-hmm. was really cast because he had the look that they were going for. He ended up doing a great job considering he didn't speak English and was not an actor. Um, yeah. And he did a few more TV roles after Wonka, but then he became a tax accountant. Don't they all? Except for Ruka, <laughs> as you do. Yeah. Um, well, no, Charlie's a vet now, so no, he's not either. But both uh, Violet and Paris and uh, Augustus all went into uh, accounting. Interesting. So, yeah. 
Probably because they didn't get paid much, and they're like, what the hell happened to all my money? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, would you like to fart out sick when you were a kid, six weeks of your life, and you become this? You know, and you wish that you know, that would have happened. Wouldn't that have been pretty cool? I mean, not that you want to, I That's used true. to be anything, but but I don't mean it like that. But it's like, what a great trivia question that would be, you know? Guess what I did? You yeah. Know? Well, and, and the actor who played Charlie, uh, Peter Ostrom, he said that, you know, he, he has kids now. He's family of his own now. And, you know, when, when his kids were younger... They he, they would see that the movie and they didn't real they didn't put two and two together. That's dad. It was mm-hmm. they had to get quite a bit older before he was able to tell like explain to them that's me when I was your age. Yeah, you know, it's hard to explain that to kids, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, he became a a, a like a livestock veterinarian, like like cows and horses. Yeah, and very understated. Seems like a mm-hmm. decent guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess that was his real passion, animals. So you know worked out yeah i mean i guess the thing is yes you can be bitter about not having the money they still are happy that they did it that they were part of it and if you were to tell this a kid like hey you can be in one of the biggest movie kids movies that's ever going to be made and you won't make a lot of money but you'll have that for the rest of your life or you can not the trouble that. would be trying to catch up you know. with that peaking when you're 11 years old and if you want to make it in the business right. you'll never ever get that big again even though mm-hmm. Willy Wonka was not a successful movie when it came out but um what it yeah, turned into never, never going to happen again so that is yeah. lightning in a bottle and that's what this movie kind of was um Diana Soul and I'm pronouncing that right Sowell Soul uh was Mrs. Bucket Charlie's mother um her song in the film was dubbed though that's not her singing yeah, I didn't know that till I was doing this research. It's kind of a weird resume. She was in some bit parts, but like the two bit part things she was in were both in 1994. <laughs> she had small parts in Clear and Present Danger and Guarding Tess. It's like 20 years later. Yeah, that is. Oh, I know she was living in Germany when when she'd been living there when she got cast. Mm. Uh, she was, you know, she was American, and uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, that's uh, interesting, but yeah, no, not a huge career. But her husband was um, was uh, Sergeant First Class in the Army. Oh wow! And, uh, yeah, and she's she's buried in Arlington, which uh, surprised me. Yeah, her song that "Cheer Up Charlie" business that was like that was like the beauty school dropout thing from Greece. It's like it was early on in the film, but it's like okay, now we can go to the bathroom. You know? It was like you know, it's a really long song, and, um, but uh, and yeah, but she was um, and she had she had that mop of hair like Jane Mansfield used to have at the end, the terrible wigs. And it was it was and here's something that that when when Charlie gets the golden ticket. You know, and and he's like, I got it, and he's got it up in his. Hand. Did you like scream like, "Oh my God, run!" Take it, he's shut like, up. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's up in the air, and people are grabbing his arm and stuff like that. And it's like, no, 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 no. They're gonna rip you so to ups- pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I was so upset. I was like, no, run, kid, no, go. They're gonna take it from you. Right. So, um, because I mean, they showed him like you know holding people for ransom to get their Wonka bars and stuff like right. that. You know, that was so. Diana um passed away on October nineteenth, two thousand eighteen. She was eighty eight and. And it was natural causes because she was Mrs. Bucket, R.I.P. Yep, and um, Scott is still drinking down his dwindling taps. I know, very very few left. All right, um, Aubrey Woods, who was Bill, the candy store owner, the the one that Sammy Davis Jr. wanted, the role that he wanted, who, who sings the Candyman song, um, 
and that's kind of all I know about him. Yeah, he. I mean, he was another one that was um, hugely successful in Britain. Doing, he was in a couple. I think he was in a couple of Doctor Who's, but he was in a ton of, of television programs uh, in Britain. But, uh, but something I found very interesting is that there's this conspiracy about about Willy Wonka, not the, not in real life, but in the, within the movie, and they're saying that Bill was actually an informant for Willy Wonka. And he was giving, oh, he was testing out the kids to find out, you know, who was going to be worthy of it. And, and he was supposedly on Wonka's, you know, payroll. And because uh, he's giving all that candy away and just seeing how the kids are going to react. Because at the end of it, when Charlie, you know, gets the one thing and he eats it and it's not the one, but he just says, oh, I'm giving another one. And the guy, and Bill goes to this display. He says, I'll give you a mm-hmm. classic one. And he gives it like right in the center. Mm, not, that's right. Not stock. Not one where you go, we're going to keep that one on display. That's right. He, he does talk him, him into getting a different type of one. Yeah, bar. and that that's particular right. one that was front and center. And they're saying that, you know, Bill might have been working for Willy Wonka in that regard. And that would explain the Slugworth signs all over the place, too. Because maybe Slugworth yeah. was a phony name. And uh, and they just had it in that one candy shop. I don't know, but uh, it was just huh. a very. I like that. I like that idea that because we are we, so we already know that he had a he had a mole, uh, Slugworth, uh, whatever the actor who was playing this this bad guy. So it would make sense that uh, that he had, and who better but a and, guy that owns a candy shop? Absolutely. And uh, when they first meet Wonka coming in the gates, Wonka tells Charlie, well, "I've read all about you in the newspaper." Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he says, you know, I, I knew it would be you or I knew it was I knew it was going to be you kind of thing. He says he, he, he when he when he suddenly was like, yeah, you passed you. You passed the test. He's like, I knew you would. I knew you would. That kind of does maybe um, hint at a, a foreknowledge of mm-hmm. the type of person that Charlie. was. And the fact that they uh, there was a news crew on set every time one of those things was discovered. That Slugworth was always <laughs> Slugworth was always there, always there. right there. So they're saying Willy Wonka had planted these things, and uh, yeah, and knew exactly where they were going to be discovered, uh, which makes sense. And which also leads me to well, f- let's finish on Aubrey Woods. Um, it's funny in that way he kind of stacked the deck in Charlie's favor because the other four kids were like the most selfish kids on the planet. Yeah, and why would How he, are you going to lose why would those he, guys? Give, why would he make sure <laughs> that they were going to be the ones to get them? Um, right. That, that is uh, it's kind of interesting. But, uh, but yeah, but the, the news crews being there, well, I say, let's finish on Aubrey Woods because I was going to hit this others. Sure. So he died uh, May 7th, 2013. He was 85 years old. But uh, so yeah, I, natural causes. I was doing the, the dive about uh, the people in this movie and I was really curious about, and you, maybe you did this too, but I wanted to know more about the fake winner. You know, the, 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 the picture that was in the newspaper, the guy that pretended to have won and, uh-huh. and because he didn't. He didn't, there was no news crew there. There were no photographs. You know, it was always mm. a solid picture in a newspaper saying that this guy won. It said his name was Alberto Minaletta and he lived in Paraguay. And uh, he was the only one that didn't have news cameras there. And that photograph was actually a photograph of, of Hitler's Nazi, like private secretary Nazi, Martin Bormann. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it was a real picture of this Nazi criminal who was supposedly <laughs> hiding out in Paraguay. So they put this, this, this is, <laughs> it's true. And, uh, and they put it in this newspaper. He was a wanted Nazi war criminal and he was supposed to be living in Paraguay. <laughs> 
and uh, and he ends up in the Willy Wonka movie, and nobody really caught on to it. And so that's wild. And then his, and his body was found buried in Berlin in 1972, but it wasn't positively identified until 1998 using DNA. So this picture is in the newspaper of Willy Wonka is a Nazi criminal, which <laughs> is fascinating. Wow. <laughs> and. Gunter Meisner, who played Arthur Slugworth, was a German actor who played um, in almost all German productions. He played Adolf Hitler twice and often played kind of, you know, Nazi soldier heavy type bad guys, yeah. uh, officers and stuff. And a lot of it because he had that look, I guess. Yeah. He had that Nazi bad guy natural look. So how weird. Yeah. How, what a weird, what a weird place to pick guys picture. from. I, I'm guessing that that was a, a, a uh, makeup scar. That's what I'm guessing. I'm pretty sure it would be made up, but uh, I, it was well done. But yeah, I would. Think it was I just had this idea that not an idea, but it was probably based on um, uh, the Boris and Natasha had that uh, Bullwinkle, the enemies, and they had their fearless, fearless leader. It was the Nazi <laughs> general, and looked just like him with the monocle. You know, mm. This guy had thick glasses, but but yeah, just your stereotype, stereotypical Nazi, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you run of the Nazi. Scar in his face. But uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that, I was going back into the, the whole conspiracy thing, because it is kind of, he's actually, you know, the guy that works for me, and I forget what they said his name was, but uh, but mm. interesting, yeah. Hmm. I mean, counterpoint, they didn't even know what the last line in the movie was going to be, so how deeply did they think about this? True. <laughs> I don't know. True. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe it's Roald Dahl that did it, though. Maybe, you know, Roald Dahl, you That's know, true. in his script, his original script, he put these nuggets in there. Uh but as far that yeah. was a contrived decision, though the the Nazi picture, one hundred percent, it wasn't an accident. Yeah, yeah. it was down to it's I think it was down to um, uh, Al, uh, Mel Stewart that did that, I believe. But but and it's mm. interesting also maybe it's to counteract the Roald Dahl you know Nazi anti anti Semitic rhetoric in some of his books. I don't know. Was that guy was. Was that guy, were they still looking for that guy in 1971? Well, he wasn't he was found until 72, so yeah, yeah. He was still so in the Maybe world. they put his picture in the movie, hoping it'd get out there, and people were like, hey, I recognize That's that That's sort of guy. my thought. It's, and yeah. a year later, he gets arrested, like... Yeah, yeah. Or found, yeah. But they found him buried. Willy Wonka. So in, in Berlin, so it wasn't like somebody ID'd him, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that guy's corpse. He hasn't <laughs> aged a day. Um, David Batley, who played Mr. Turkentine, who was the school teacher. That was kind <laughs> of funny. Great name. Opening. Yeah. He has a great opening monologue, too, about when he's doing the, he's going to do the quizzes now before the week, at the beginning of the week, before they've learned the stuff they're going to be quizzed about. But it's Tuesday today, so don't worry about it. Don't worry about <laughs> it. That. Was, yeah, the, the, a, lot of, a lot of jumping. Yeah, the, the, um, the text was kind of funny in this movie sometimes. Um, he, uh, was born with a hole in his heart, um, but lived to be 67, did ultimately die from a heart attack. Um, and he passed away on January 20th, 2003. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I remember, well, Gina shock had that, I believe, um, from the oh, go-go's really? had that hole in her heart business and had to have surgery oh. on that one too. But, uh, I guess technology moved on in this regard when she, when she got it, it was, it was treatable, but, um, yeah. but yeah. Well, um, and we already mentioned that, you know, that Madeline um, Stewart, the, the the director's daughter, was in the classroom scene yeah. with him with him as the teacher. Um, and it and answers the first question that he asks about how many 
many yeah. did you buy? And that's when Peter uh, Peter burst in the room saying, Willy Wonka's opened his chocolate factory. And uh, so, yeah, he got two. Peter got two good lines in the movie, uh, one in the candy store and one in the school. And ended up being the only one of the two siblings to get credited as a result of that. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder. She, well, I don't even think she credit. filmed anything else. The daughter. I don't think there's anything else in it. She was always kind of a. Yeah, I'd be extra. mad if I was this. If my like, yeah, but, you know, sibling rivalries. Yeah, and you're, you're both in the picture, and your brother gets a credit, and you don't. Ugh. And it was your idea to make the movie in the first place. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> she should have got a producer's credit. <laughs> right. I thought this was funny. Speaking of classrooms, um, Julie Cole, who played Veruca Salt, said that she based her character on a girl that she knew at boarding school. So there was a girl who really was a Veruca Salt mm-hmm. awful person um, that she drew inspiration from. Yeah, that's I good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> she awesome. was really a good brat. She was a really good brat. She was, you know what? It's one of those roles. She's so, um, she's such a great breath. You don't realize what a great job she's doing as a little actress. And and one thing I did notice, I think, I think uh, the director was very complimentary toward her, especially her acting. So it's not a surprise that of all the kids in the movie, she ended up having the most successful career after that. Yeah. Adulthood. But she said also that um, when they're filming that scene, when they were trapped in that little room uh, and uh, that first one that, that um that was all black and white not not the different not the lickable wallpaper one but one of the other ones <laughs> and she said she flubbed a line and she said meld was, was relentless mel stewart which is like just ragging on her big time just you know Ugh. really making her feel like an idiot which is also Ugh. you know in character with him because he, he was a taskmaster and um yeah. and probably shouldn't have been According to a lot of people, not just saying this, that, you know, they said of all the people to be working on a kid's movie, it shouldn't be Mel Stewart. Because <laughs> um, right. uh, there's there, there, it's the running joke in Hollywood since I first started, especially if you're making indie movies, low budget movies, is, you know, the golden the rule is no kids, no pets. Yeah. Because <laughs> they will slow your production down to a halt. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you're especially in the, you have a tight budget and a tight, you know, production schedule and you got kids flubbing lines. Yeah. Yeah frustrating it had the right personality to deal with that i guess but they said they had like a dialogue coach with them who you know every day before they filmed their scenes they would go over their lines over and over with this dialogue coach before they would go out there so they would be totally prepped and ready as much as possible and they're still going to be kids to and, they're still going to be kids of course, you kids know kids. yeah yep um gunter meisner who we mentioned who played slugworth uh did mostly german films and he died also while filming a tv series which is interesting mm-hmm um, he had heart failure when he was 68 years old on December 5th, 1994. He had heart failure while shooting a, a show. He's a good villain. He's a very good villain. Yep. So that boat scene, that crazy boat scene, uh, is voted one of the scariest movie moments of all time, which which it does. I think it qualifies it completely. And just one, another one of those odd sort of, um, you know, Gene, Gene Wilder talking in in foreign languages it just came out of nowhere to me i was a kid you know 10 12 years old or something hearing somebody speak french i know what french you know sounded like but he does he speaks when the boat comes out and he speaks this line in perfect french so finally i I asked my friends jeff and dana hartman to to translate it for me and they did and it's just very simple but it's when the boat comes out he says ladies and gentlemen now we are going to take a little trip by boat you are now entering wankatania which uh, is, is really Lusitania. yeah, that's what he says. So huh. the uh, that's was that was the name of the ship, and he introduces it completely in French. And then Dodo Denny goes, oh, you know, something like Trejali or something Trejali uh, when she gets on the thing. But uh, it just um, it, it was just a, a cool touch. Um, do you want to talk about some Oompa Loompas? 
I don't know anything about Oompa Loompas. I really don't. I, I had to stop. I was like, I'm done. I can't do anymore. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, I, there's, there's, there's like one that I was going to mention. Um, probably the most well-known or the, you know, of the Oompa Loompa actors um, who has passed away uh, was uh, Malcolm Dixon. Um, and Malcolm Dixon was in, uh, he had a pretty big role in Time Bandits. Uh, he was one of the named Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. Uh, he had extra work role in Flash, Flash Gordon, The Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, Willow. He was in with the Henson people pretty good, I guess. Uh, he was also in music videos for David Bowie and Duran Duran, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, this is what's weird about him. So he passed away on April 9th, 2020. No cause that I could find. But there's some sources that say he was 85, and there's other sources that say he was 66. Oh, interesting. I don't so know. Some, like if you, his Wikipedia says he was born in 1934, and therefore he was 85 when he died. But then other media reports from when he died claim that he was born in 1953 and that he was actually 66. And Find a Grave says he was 66. So I guess 66 is what I go with. I would go with that. If he was a dwarf, I would go with the 66. Then, they're, yeah. you know, I'm not saying they don't have, they generally don't, you know, that the physical dwarfism is a, you know, a malady that could be considered mm-hmm. a handicap to some people, not handicapable, whatever you want to say. But, but dwarves have more maladies than, than, than most physically. So it would, the younger age would make sense. They, apparently there were, I don't know, I heard eight, I think I counted nine at one time in a scene of Oompa Loompas. Uh, I read an interview where they said there were 10. Most of them were British. There was a woman. There was a female Oompa Loompa. Um, uh, there was one from Turkey, one from Malta, I think, and one from Spain. So they had a hard time mm-hmm. following orders from Mel, Mel <laughs> they Stewart. They couldn't give them directions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I was, right. I'm, not, you know, I was kind of bummed now because there was, I believe, one girl, one woman in there that was a midget, not a dwarf. And I kind of wish my friend, my friend Sadie was in that because she totally could have been in that. She was a little person. She was an Ewok. She was in the Frankie Goes to Hollywood video for Relax. Mm-hmm. She was in, you know, Rocky Horror. She was in a ton of stuff. And uh, and I'm a little disappointed, but I don't know. Maybe she didn't like the costumes they were wearing. And she played an elf. So, uh, yeah. So And, yeah, so she got into costumes. I don't know why. I wish I'd asked her about that. But uh, um, the, uh, another Oompa Loompa was named George Clayton, and he... You know, we talked about how Roy Kinnear was in Help. Uh, George Clayton was in Magical Mystery Tour. Was he? Mm-hmm. So, like a circus performer, probably. You know, they the little people just were like that. That's the way they were used in uh, in movies. Right. Yeah, they were just um, curiosities. Um, and then Marcus Powell, who was also in Time Bandits, and he was in Elephant Man. Um, he was in the original, the first Star Wars movie. He's an extra at the bar in the cantina. Oh, cool. He's this little guy you can barely see over the top of the bar. He's got white hair, and he kind of looks over at Luke and Obi-Wan as they, like, walk up to the bar, basically. And then the fight happens where the guy gets his arm cut off. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he's right. You, you get a pretty good look at him sitting at the bar. And I even saw somebody made, like, an action figure out of him. How Just fun. Kinda... <laughs> and he has a name. They, they gave him a name. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. Well, see, there's another thing. It's like, well, how would you like to be in a frame of Star Wars, you know? I mean, that's so cool. <laughs> be, oh, I would have that frame framed on my wall. Yeah. It would be amazing. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I had. Um, I worked with a lady years ago who was an extra in the, um, the Enchantment Under the Sea dance in Back to the Future. And I was. she described the dress that she was wearing, and I, she, she, not, she was not an actress at all. She just got picked you know at a mall yeah. somewhere by a casting person like we need more people we need people like you and i found her 
She's in clearly visible in two shots. The one shot where the um, when they stop playing and the and they cut to the principal and he's covering his ears with his hands because Marty's just played the big guitar solo. Yeah, yeah. She's standing right behind him, like right over his shoulder, basically. So I printed out the uh, two of them and gave them to her to frame, and she she put it up in her office. I'm like, I would have this up like. I tell Everywhere. everyone I'd be it's my like business card. Ever. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. It's enchanting to meet you. Yeah, I mean, like you know, Terry <laughs> was uh, in everything. Uh, the girl that worked in our shop, Terry Bola, was you know she was one of the girls that threw tampons at Carrie at the beginning of the movie. You know, and it's like mm. I, I was giving, I gave Terry tampons to autograph to for people. You know, it's like that. What a great claim to fame. You know, I mean, she's been in a lot of yeah. movies and stuff, but but yeah, it's so iconic to be you know, plug it up, plug it up. <laughs> But, um, I had a um, as producer I worked with years ago. He um, was a musician on the side for fun, and he somehow, I think he was on a production in England with George Harrison. And he goes, "Yeah, we ended up getting on a helicopter and flying to George's mansion out in the countryside." And and he goes, "And I I got to play I played guitar with him like in his living room, and just hung out." And I went, "What?" Yeah. And he goes, "Yeah, he's like, I got a picture of it." I'm like. Yeah, he brought he brings he brought the picture to the office the next day, and it was kind of like wrinkled a little bit and like just creased. And I was just and he goes and it's a beautiful photo of him sitting on the floor with George Harrison playing guitar. And I'm like, oh my god, like what? You jammed with a Beatle. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no (laughs) kidding. He's like, oh yeah. I was like, dude, this would be like blowing up the size of a like wallpaper in my house. Like, you meet at parties. What's your name? My name's Scott. I used to jam with George Harrison. What's your name? <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> right. Enchanted to meet you. <laughs> so um, the other four kids outside of um, the, the actress that played uh, 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 Violet um, are still alive. Peter Olstrom, who was Charlie. Of course, he became a veterinarian. Um, Julie Cole, who was Veruca Salt. She wrote a book in 2016 called I Want It Now, mm-hmm. which is great, all about her experience making the movie. Um Paris Thimmon, who was Mike TV, he did some acting, then he bounced around a bunch of different gigs. And when he did that, you know, after they were famous thing, he was working in investments, I think, something in the finance world. And then Michael Bolner, Augustus Gloop, we already said he grew up to be six foot seven, and he's in a tax account in Germany. Mm. And who knows? I mean, th- that was as of, you know, whenever they made that show like 20 years ago. So, so I'm sure a lot of them have since retired. Yeah. From even from their second careers, even yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, like I said, six weeks of your life, you become an American icon. You become a cinematic icon, and right um, worldwide. Yeah, it's not so bad. Not so bad. Mm-mm. I mean, look at Butch Patrick. You know, Butch Patrick has been dining out on the Eddie Munster thing forever. It's just been, it's become his career. <laughs> you know, he is, and and good for him. You know, something a job he had almost sixty years ago, but so. You know he's he's yeah. he's he's making it work for him. Is granted it was a little bit more than six weeks for him, but uh, but still it's it's why not? People that's what they're going to know you for. I feel like if you can't make it a, a big career as an actor, that's like the next best thing. Yes, I agree. You had that one iconic role that, like you said, you can dine out on for the rest of your yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. Wow, and a great and a great one, and and longevity. You know, the longevity of this movie is 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 fascinating to me. And they'll, mm-hmm. it's going to be 50 years soon. I got the 45th anniversary. and It was uh, just 50 years. Oh, I was it already 50? Years. Oh, that's right. I went to yeah. see it. Oh, my God. It was like... It was 50 years last year. Yeah. They they played it here in Palm Springs, and I went to see it at the movies. I was only like five people there, but it was a 50th anniversary screening. There was no... I mean, yeah. it wasn't any cast members. We were just seeing it on the big screen again. And it was, uh, it was really neat to... Um, 
to see it again in the movie theater. But 50 years, my God. Well, there you are. It means eight years from now, it'll be older than Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> it's actually, was it 50 this year? My gosh, it is. 2021, it came out in 1971, so 2021 was wow. 50, yeah. The only other thing I was going to say is that um, the, the uh, you know, the longevity, we talked about the auction. I guess there was a golden ticket that sold for, it was Veruca's, uh, Julie Cole's uh, golden ticket sold for 34000 at auction. Mm. And um, and the, they say the all-time most popular meme is the Willy Wonka meme. The one that, that the condescending Willy Wonka meme, they call it. Yes. Where, um, you know, oh, really? Tell me more kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which other, but yeah, an independent study of 2000 British adults concluded that it was all time, their all time favorite. It's like, well, OK, I asked a room full of people. <laughs> but um, It's funny because there's probably a younger generation that knows Gene Wilder because of that meme. Probably. Than, from any of his movies. But I do. The Wonka one is, is you still see it a lot. And mm -hmm. uh, and. uh and I think that says something about longevity. Yes. I guess that's it. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for going on this uh, this journey to Wonka Land with us. Yeah, you're going to see it on and... Wonka Vision eventually on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and hopefully, and, and check out um, on you can watch that um, after they were famous episode with the Wonka cast. It is on YouTube. The whole episode. We should put a link to it, it when when you send me the uh, the the, Kyle, the yeah. file. Remind me, and I'll put a link just underneath it for us so okay. we can watch that. That'd be cool. Um, and you can also you can also find the making of documentary, which might also be on one of the DVDs that they put out. I think that's originally what that was made for, possibly. It was for the, the first DVD release back in the 90s. Yeah, because they were still um, talking about Leonard Stone like he was alive, you know? And they, they, mm. it was it's an old documentary. It was great. They interviewed everybody. Mel Stewart was in it, and the director, yeah. and and uh, and the, uh, the, uh, the screenwriter was in it. Not Roald Dahl, but the one that didn't get his name on it. And, yeah. You know, so I recommend both of those. And they're not too long either. They're both like half hour programs. So basically you could have watched it five times in the time that we are taking to make this podcast. <laughs> but you laugh a lot more listening to the podcast to us tell the stories from it mm. in our own words. I'm going to go, I'm going to go and lick <laughs> wallpaper now. <laughs> okay. Oh God, right, the Jack Albertson that... thing with his tongue. Oh, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> that is so creepy you think he's spelling out the alphabet <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> all right everybody uh it's been fun as always thanks for joining us and we will see you on the next episode and uh, check out our patreon dearly departed pod at patreon link below um you get yeah, click below this, and you get you get uh, advanced uh, access to the episodes like this one, plus the ones we do um, that aren't about like specific topics that we do between the main shows that are only on our Patreon. It's always helpful, but we will continue to put these out to the general public regardless. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. This has been an episode of the Dearly Departed Podcast. Dig up more episodes at dearlydepartedpod.com and on iTunes and Google Play. See you next time. <laughs>